welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. I'm Emily. Travis. Matt. We're all here. This is episode 102. Part two. Part two of... Part duh. Part duh. Toonie-vember. Toonie-vember. It's Toonie-vember. Is that too much? <laughs> Looney Toonie-vember? Looney Toonie-vember. Y2K. Like y Tony 2K. Y-tone-k. 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 These are all... Each one is better than the last, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really good at this. We're it's all very sharp right now. It's a chilly right Sunday morning here in Seattle. Ah, well, it's not, as, as Emily and I were discussing on the car ride over here, it's not technically winter, but it's fucking it's winter. It's winter. We didn't get what are autumn. we talking about We got here? like a week and a half of autumn this yes. year. And it's still kind of nice because it's not, um, dumping, not rainy. dumping on our heads right now. Um, usually it's really, really rainy and gross, but it's been pretty like chilly, crispy, sunny vibes, which mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. I like cold and sunny. I think I think it is technically what might qualify as alarmingly dry. For I I like <laughs> for I like it. Yeah, you would know a lot about like, that. Oh man! Oh boy! <laughs> I like wearing a big uh, winter coat and sunglasses. Yeah, it's like a me good too. Vibe. I and like the way I'm a fat guy. I like to wear the layers and stuff. <laughs> like I like to conceal the. Uh, <laughs> Conceal the appearance as much as possible. I think I look cool with my hat and my sunglasses walking my dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fall and winter fashion is where it's well, for good. I loved, I loved, I was at the peak, I was feeling my best ever during winter in the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Where I had a mask and a hood on. Oh, and, my God. And sunglasses. And sunglasses. And like on, headphones. And I was I just like, nobody I can wear see me. I sunglasses with a mask because it would fog up. You have to like really know how to position it. Oh, really? Okay. Not yeah. somebody who's yeah, really wearing glasses. You can't be a complete idiot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> it's not for the layperson. I know. I felt like the Invisible Man because it was like hat, hood, sunglasses, mask, Hell like yeah. ear ear pods. That's the way I want to feel. I just want to disappear. Don't look at me. <laughs> don't, don't look at me. Don't look but at listen me. to us. Don't look at me. To us. But listen to us. Wouldn't it be creepy if uh, when when someone listened to this podcast, they had just a picture of us pulled up? On their computer, I have to see them. I think that's I think that's really nice. <laughs> you think that's cool? Yeah. <laughs> we should take a nice picture of the three of us together, Aww, so people can so stare people at can it. Pull it up when they listen to the yeah. podcast, and then they can and then they can show it to you as they carve your face off. No, <laughs> when they finally find you. <laughs> Not cool. Yeah. Don't do that, guys. How's everybody feeling though? I feel great. Yeah. I feel okay. I feel like shit. Oh well, right, well, we're covering we're covering the whole gamut here. <laughs> but that's okay. The other night, I uh, I had uh, my my show at, at Hattie's Hat that I do. Yeah. Where me and my buddy Shane, he's a bartender there. We we people like to listen to us talk about movies because like we've been talking about movies across the bar for like a decade. Mm. And and somebody decided to turn it into a thing. I'm doing I'm doing my show. This girl comes in, very attractive young woman, comes in with her friend, sits down, has dinner, wearing a scarecrow beanie, exactly like the one I wear. Oh my god, twinsies! She laughed at all of my stupid jokes. Left in the middle of the show, but before she walked out, I was wearing my suspense hoodie. Before she left, she goes, I love your podcast, walked out the door. <gasps> Did not get this girl's number. Never to mm. be seen again. Mm. What a what a mystery power move on her part, though. I'd be doing mystery power moves if I was a I didn't even know. So wait, I, I, if she loves the show. I was, I'm thinking, maybe she's listening to she's the show. She's listening right now. So if she's listening to the show, I think she said her name was Amy, but I was drinking. <laughs> so it could have been like Sarah. It could have been Sarah. It could have been, been <laughs> no. Mamie. I'm pretty sure he said it was. It could have been Mamie. <laughs> I'd, 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 I think it's probably Mamie. <laughs> Jamie. Jamie. 
Anyway, Flaming? if you're listening to this, slide into my DMs or something. Oh my God, slide into Matt's DMs. Let's make a connection. If you're listening, to, literally, it's like a, this is an I saw you. Everybody oh, that's listening to this, slide into Matt's DMs all at the same time and see if you can crash the system. Wait, what if a bunch of people pretend to be her? Oh my God, this is like a yeah. this, oh, is, this like is, is like a rom com. If, if or find, or a serial killer. Or a serial killer. If you find Amy, that's cool. Yeah. And if everyone, someone catfishes you, that's a good story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Either got, way, we win. You've got DMs. We win. You've got DMs. <laughs> that sounds bad. That sounds bad. That sounds like maybe it's an STI. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got bad news for you. You've got DMs. You have to come into the office. <laughs> yeah, but you got about six months. <laughs> You've got DMs, but I couldn't pay my bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> Give him another six. Give him another six months. <laughs> other other Matt news. Oh, I don't. This is really doesn't pertain to me. Uh, but we did get a package that pertains to you, kind of. One package from Cody Downs. Number one fan, Cody Downs. I, I believe it. this is a birthday package you sent to me. Oh, well then it does. But I don't know for you. sure. I don't know for sure. Uh, so, Cody, if you're listening to this, we're about to open the package on the air. Hang Everybody on. loves our patented package openings from the Cody unboxing. Downs. You could be the person who sent us a package that gets opened. It doesn't have to be just Cody Downs. <laughs> yeah. And it, several people uh, who aren't Cody Downs have sent like, us packages. If you'd like to send us a package, a letter, or anything like that, 5030 Roosevelt Way, Northeast Seattle, Washington, 98105 is the address to Scarecrow. Care of Matt Lynch, please, because it goes care in my of Matt office. Lynch. Otherwise, like, what, someone, someone with sticky suspense. fingers is going to take it. All right, he's opening the box right now. Nice long letter. Oh, a long letter. A manifesto, even. Oh, boy. Some envelopes. One's for Scarecrow. Oh, wow. That should be fun. One is, let's see. Happy birthday, Matt. Yes, very good. Piece of paper. That's cool. Some objects. Hold on, I'm going to put the mic down. All right, he's putting the mic down. His greedy mittens are in the... Oh, he's he's got a... I think it's going to be a a can of... He needs scissors. Something delicious. You have the scissors. The scissors. Possibly an IPA. It's or a can an of beans. Oh, what if it was a can of beans? You have to eat the can of beans. It's an Alaskan. It's a Pilsner. Alaskan Pilsner, and I like Pil- Matt, I like a Pilsner beer. Matt's Matt gonna shotgun it right now. Yeah, shotgun the beer. Shotgun, shotgun the, the Pilsner. Beer. I love a Pilsner too. He's got another beer. I think it's the same one. I think it's the same. These may be three beers for us to each have one. Oh my God! Well, this is the earliest I I'm ever awake. Oh man, you guys! While he's opening the beers, I slept through my alarm, and I only I got ready in eight minutes, which Travis thinks is a normal amount of time, but for <laughs> someone of my stature and beauty, it is quick. For a dude, it's like it's, pretty it's fast, st- but it could be standard. Pretty normal for, for a, a dude girl. To roll out of bed. Well, it was and eight minutes until I got into leave. my car, and then I did my makeup in like four minutes in my car because I left my makeup bag in my car because I was here last night. See, I had my makeup tattooed on, dude. So I don't have. To I don't know fuss about, about that. It. Tattoo. What about the changing trends and beauty? Well, I mean, uh, my makeup, as Classic. you can tell the from changing my trends look, and beauty. It's, it's universal. With which Travis is fully in touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that, uh, who, who's that pinup girl? Uh, Betty Page. Betty Page, yeah. It's just a timeless look that I have going. <laughs> it's it's never going to get old. That's four beers. Four that Alaskan Pilsners. Four Alaskan Pilsners. Lovely. Wait, does that mean someone else is in the room with us? Yes. It's One Cody. He's here in spirit. Aw. I love that. Cody, we love you. All right. I'm gonna read the letter now. Okay. okay. Hopefully, there's nothing salacious. Th- in here. He sent this on November the 10th, so it's it's you know been a while because we've been a while since we recorded. Anyway, uh, respectfully pardon my delay in not getting this to you before your birthday on the second. That's fine. Pardoned. No. Appreciate no. it, Cody. <laughs> Travis is a grudge though. These <laughs> cans of Pilsners are a favorite, biased of course, given the home base in my home state. And I hope you feel the same and feel free to share with your suspense is killing us gang. We will. Uh, like with Travis, I'm giving you a financial gift for your birthday and or exploits for the holiday season. 
And yes, Emily, I am aware your birthday is coming up in December. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-oh. that's like a grandpa. That is like and a grandpa. And I know your birthday is coming up too. <laughs> I voraciously disagree with you on many things. <laughs> Colon. You being unfazed by the rape Jesus. scene in Hollow Man and commenting it dutifully moves the narrative along for the Kevin Barrick making character while it is nothing more than an unnecessary cheap shot. What a fantastic detail. What a fa- fascinating I example. I love it. Nice. Your disdain for 1997's Insomnia, huge disagree. And Psy gladly boasting that Speed 2 Cruise Control is as delightfully commendable as Moonraker and no different in quality. Oh no, now I'm scared to get oh, a birthday oh, letter oh, from Oh, what did Cody. he say about Cruise Control? I, I really love I think it's I think Because I just watched it. Oh, he didn't say anything more than that. He just says gladly boasting that it's delightfully as delightfully commendable as Moonlight. He seems seeming no to imply that he doesn't like cruise control. That that seems to be the case. And yeah. Cody, I just watched it last week. You're hundred percent correct on this oh, one, buddy. It's a terrible movie and Matt's wrong. It's a good movie. Side note, I expect the eleventh 007 film to start having a wheels come of the train feeling to the narrative, not the first sequel of a film to an eventual franchise that reduces its lead actress, Bullock, to an irritating one dimensional character mm-hmm. and makes me hate her compared to the original film. Yes. I would not disagree with any of those things, Cody. I merely think that the film works on a technical level of craft. I think that it is very well made and pretty exciting. I don't like the fact that Bullock gets sidelined in it for a new character. I but I think that like uh, Willem Dafoe makes up for a lot of that stuff, and I just think it's a really excitingly produced film. The only thing the that script I liked is about terrible. I thought I hated everything about the movie. The one thing that I did like about it is Willem Dafoe talks to his leeches. <laughs> And he talks to him a lot. He have a he has leeches. Like that's something else. Wait, what is this? Speed two. Speed two cruise control. One of the more misbegotten sequels out there. I I just I just think that it's like the script is so dire that people overlook how technically well crafted it is, and that is why I enjoy the movie. Yeah, well, fair enough. Maybe uh, we'll do it on a Patreon. Maybe someday. we will, yeah. That both said, speeds. You have been very kind to me over the years and got me to change my opinion on 2003's In the Cut. Nice. Much like I got you to do a 180-degree turn on 1988's Frantic. That is very true. Oh. This is so cute. We've, well, we've had some times together, haven't we? We have, we have. The and push we, and the pull. And we are delighted by Cody's uh, number one fandom. As for all of you, I delighted in hearing all of your reactions on episode 99, The Lectovers, to the to the gin I sent from the renowned distillery in my home state of Alaska. My sincere wishes for you and all those close. Have a reflective and rewarding holiday season these next couple of months. Oh Take care God. and talk soon. Cordially, oh. Cody Downs. So sweet. Cody. Thank you, so sweet. Cody. Great we love Cody Downs. Too. I love that letter. I love the all the little personal touches. He sent me a little gift here. That's so fantastic that he got in the speed tooth thing because I literally just saw that recently and was like, because Matt talks about it all the time. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I do not see it. <laughs> and very and very often, Matt. Not, I mean, you know, Matt's going to disagree with people. He, is, he is who he is. There is additionally a hundred dollar donation for Scarecrow. Video. Oh yeah! yeah. Thank Cody. you very much, Thank Cody. You. God bless you. Your continued appreciation for us is much appreciated by us. Semper yes. Fi. That's the Navy. That's the Navy slogan, right? Well, that's just a Navy slogan. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Semper fudge. Semper fudge. <laughs> Tempered fudge. Te- Ooh. Semper fudge. <laughs> At which point he told me to relax. To relax. Uh, I'm going to have one of these beers, even though they're not going to be cold. They're cold. They're, they're pretty cold. I would imagine they might be a little bit cold. They have been in my office for like a week and a half, and it's my cold. office is quite cold. It's cold as fuck out here. Do I dare? Maybe I'll wait. I too many beverages. I didn't. I am essentially not hung over this morning, so kind of, huh? let's well, go for let's it. Let's push it to yeah. the max then and do the best episode ever, but guys. But it's time now for Tony Vember Volume Dose. 
Mm. I'm excited about this. I enjoy all these, all three of these movies. I, I would say that there's one of these movies that I like less than the other two, yeah. but I still think it's really good, and I own it on Blu-ray. It's been a delightful Tony Vember, and I've had a good time with all of these movies, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to be celebrating it with you guys. It has been a delightful Tony Vember. I uh, I hate one of these movies. I love <laughs> I love one of these movies, and one of them is right there in the middle between the, middle. the two. Well, let's start with that Trying one. Trying to guess which one. Yeah, well, I guess... <laughs> Matt already knows. We're going to start with uh, 2001's Spy Game. Game. Let's get this over with. Every building, every room, every situation, a snapshot. I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm also checking the room, memorizing the people, what they're wearing. Guy reading the menu. Threat? Only to the hostess. After 30 years in the service of his country... Nathan Muir is leaving the CIA. Duty roster has you checking out tonight. On your way out, we need you to sign out your ID, card key, parking pass. What's the date? He's found his replacement. Where'd you learn to shoot? Boy Scout, sir. Are you kidding me? No, sir. He's trained him well. What else do I need to know? Don't ever risk your life or your career for anyone. Comes down to you or them, send flowers. But just when he thought the game was ending... We have to make it to the end of the alley. You first. Age before beauty. All the rules changed. It has just been confirmed that the Chinese have arrested an American operative of the CIA. I really like this movie. <laughs> I saw. I remember seeing it in the theater and being really into it too. I I think I think that it it has like it, it's it's not like one of Tony's like more uh, uh sort of one of his bigger leaps. Conceptually, it's not that intense. It, it's not using a lot of his, like, what would become his late style stuff. It's sort of like a stylistic step backward from Enemy of the State. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, the the sort of nature of the drama is really interesting. It's not really an action movie, although it has, like, some action scenes. It's, like, mostly guys in rooms talking. It's Yeah, it's mostly, like, flashback stuff. And mostly talking. flashback stuff. It has, like, a really interesting love story trajectory to it that's, like, the, the engine of the plot, but also sort of in the background. And also, I really like uh, just uh, Pitt and Redford together. They have a really good chemistry. It's everything's it's everything's fine about it. The only thing that's Tony Scotty about it is the visual is the visual sensibility of it. There's nothing additional to it that makes you understand why Tony Scott this needed to be a Tony Scott movie in general. Well, it's you know, it's very standard. He's always got a lot of he he did always have a lot of irons in the fire and he would he would tend to make movies because they're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying, like, the three movies that we covered in episode one and right. the other two movies that we're going to cover on these ones are we're all, one way, Scott. whether I like them or not, right. are all very much like, wow, this this thing uh, is a yeah, thing. Yeah, I think if and I Spy saw Game this... Spy Game is very much, could have been anybody. If I saw this without... Yeah, exactly. If I saw this and I didn't know it was a Tony Scott movie, I wouldn't necessarily come to that really? conclusion. I feel like yeah. it, it's got his fingerprints all over it, but it's not necessarily esoteric. Yeah. Starring I mean, two fucking blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful United States babes of different <laughs> generations uh, United together. Babes. Together uh, at last. Have, have they been in any the other movies together? The spirit is very together? good, by the way. Well, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt was in The River Runs Through It that was directed by Robert mm. Redford. It's just interesting because I feel like they're they're both so iconic in their generations for being like heartthrobs. And, Bra- and yes, Brad Pitt was like people likened him to Robert Redford all the time yeah. when they first hit so the scene. So it's interesting to see them together. And I 
Now, honestly, I think it's just because they were attractive and blonde. Yeah. Like a Brad Pitt's really No, they're just like, like all Robert American. Redford. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hot. They're blonde. But Brad Pitt's a very different kind of actor than Robert Redford. But I think it also needs to be pointed out, um, and this was certainly not pointed out in the promotional uh, materials when it came out, that this is mostly Robert Redford. Yeah. I think Brad Pitt is in he's, maybe he's a like quarter. A supporting role, yeah. Yes, it's he's very flash- totally He's flashback-centric as, as Robert Redford's... Uh, Kind of and in the con- in the contemporary part of the story, Brad Pitt has next to no dialogue. I can see that. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of just him running around doing stuff where he and when he does actually say stuff, it's kind of you're like, oh, he's talking now. Well, I mean, in the parts in the parts that take place in the quote unquote present day, like all oh, the flashbacks, yeah, he's mostly he's, he's just, mostly backgrounded. He's they beat up, beat up his they beat up his beautiful beautiful goddamn face. beautiful. They face. destroyed a work of art. They just wanted to destroy something beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> he was too like blonde. Tyler Durden. He was too. He's too blonde. We we can make a couple references. <laughs> yes. Uh, this also um, the whole plot of this movie reminded me of, and, and this is in a this is kind of gives you an idea of how how much I feel in comparison to this movie. Obviously, this movie came after, but the source material came before. But Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh-huh. the portion of the movie and the TV show um, where you get the story of. Tom Hardy's character in the, yeah. in the movie version of I've it. I've never seen and you Tinker hear, Taylor. And you hear a person. Oh, man. And I didn't know Tom Hardy was in it, and you, I have a huge boner he's, for he's Tom Hardy. He's in it a little. That is, Travis, this is one of Travis and mine's, like, Venn diagram execute, like, uh, yes. crossovers. Both of us think that this movie is a total masterpiece. Hmm. Others disagree, but, uh... Who are they? I don't know. I want names. Come forth. But we we <laughs> we, tend, we tend to think. I mean, there. Are, I know. Of, like our friend Will Goss also really loves that movie. There are plenty of people who who really worship it. Other people are like, it's good. It's not. It's like overpraised. Oh, I see. But uh, but I think it's great. I probably watch that one once a year. Yes. Um, hundred percent. Man, I love that movie. And yes, I see exactly what you're talking but th- about. There's a portion of it where Tom Hardy comes in. He's the spy who came comes in from the cold or whatever. Mm. And uh, and then he tells his story of his spying business in another in a far far away land where he's doing his spy stuff. And then he gets involved. He gets too close to a mm-hmm. one of his assets who is a, be- a beautiful woman. And then love is involved. And then love is thwarted. And yeah. but you're, you're you're hearing a person go like, and then I did this. And then you see the thing happening. I kind of like. It's that. real similar. Yeah. I like that kind of flashback uh, story structure. I think it really works here. Yeah. I thought about this when I was watching it as like the anti-sneakers. It's like, what if what if his character from Sneakers had not gone on the run and instead joined the CIA? Yeah. Then he would be this guy. Yeah, he, and he is in very much Martin Bishop mode. Yeah. He's in like light, frothy Robert Redford mode. He's, yeah, yeah. He's funny. He's like, this. yeah, saucy, snappy. Like, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, ba- he's a little, he's light, be he's a, bantering. Be a beacon? I like, I like this Robert Redford and I think he's fine in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by the way, Robert, uh, Brad Pitt's character's name is Bishop. Yeah, in this movie. So uh, I interesting. Don't know. Kind of means nothing, but still, Martin. It, it is constantly making me think of a movie that I like a lot more. Yeah, I mean that's true. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think this movie is like great, but it is like a. It's like such a right down the middle, like well crafted banger. Like it just. They don't make movies like this anymore. That is true. I, I do think it's right down the middle, and you know? I think I do think it's well crafted. I think this came out Thanksgiving time, like that year, and I remember going to see it by myself on like morning of the holiday, and just like it was a chilly morning in downtown Philadelphia, and Ooh, just like I love this. Just, I was just like oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, you know, and I've always had a real soft spot for it, a lot of real fondness. It's remember, a- it came out the same time I think as as um the Solaris remake that Soderbergh did around. Wow. Is that I any think, good? I think it's awesome. I really like the original. I, I do too. They're very different movies. Hmm. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Jeremy Davies is in both of them, though. <laughs> Importantly, okay. <laughs> no, he's not. 
Okay. <laughs> Is he not? He's not. Okay. I don't okay. think he was born when they made the first one. <laughs> or Russian. It's certainly not. Well, hey, we don't know. <laughs> See, a lot of people are turning out to be a Russian these days. They got a lot of assets. Speaking of spy, spy games and oh stuff. Oh, my gosh. The other, the other thing I like about this movie, speaking of which, is there's like a lot of movies about spies where it's like all moral hand-wringing over like, spying's bad, you know, it really fucks with you. Yeah. And they, there's like a minimum of that here. Is it t- yeah, they really they, they do. That. They do. <clears throat> clearly, the movie is like feels that way, but they, it also yeah. doesn't care. And it's not like Born Identity, where it's like the gun who doesn't want to be a gun. Well, there's the whole thing in this is the different values of like spy sacrifices. You yeah, know, right. like like are we here for the good of the goal, which is is not no, ma- good, no really. matter no matter who we have to kill for it, which is uh, surprisingly what Robert Redford feels, and then Brad Pitt, who's like, well, actually, like let's stand up for each other, and then by the end, to kind of evolve into yeah. Robert Redford thinking that. Yeah. And, and I like that n- at no point does anybody sit down and go like, the goals of the Central Intelligence Agency are good ones. No, no. <laughs> nope, they're like, just goals. They're just like, this is what they're the goals. job is. Yeah. yeah. It's not um, It's not a jingoistic movie and it's not uh, the opposite either. It's yeah. just sort of like, it, I think it's aiming for just sort of a realistic It's almost like occupational hazard. Stuff. Like, we need to do this sort of stuff. It doesn't mean it's good, yeah. right? Or whatever. Um, but the, basically, the plot of this movie is uh, is Robert Redford is in a room with a bunch of nondescript uh, character actors that I, most of whom I don't recognize. I recognize uh, three of them at least. There's one that I do like, Stannis Baratheon, who Stephen Delane Stan- also played Delane. Thomas Jefferson. I thought he was great in t- in uh, in John Adams, and he's also in Zero Dark Thirty. Yes, he is I like, in Zero Steve- Dark I like Stephen Delane. He's most famous for playing Stannis Baratheon, Baratheon and he is the Sniveling pencil pusher. He's essentially the villain of the of the piece. Essentially the villain, even though uh, an office villain. Yes. Um, and then there is one other guy I want to point out because I always forget his name and I want to look it up because it's important. Michael Paul Chan, who is in a bunch of like Michael Mann stuff. Uh, he's in Manhunter, things mm-hmm. like that. He's in. He's one of the guys in the uh, in the boardroom. Benedict Benedict Wong is in this movie. Benedict Wong it's is always great is to see Brad him. Pitt's original sniper spotter in Vietnam. <laughs> but and then the third guy in the boardroom that I want to point out is one of my favorite character actors, a guy named oh. Larry Brigman. What a name! Who is also the Larry Bud Inspector Brigman. Inspector Cobb? I don't want to say is it Cobb. Anyway, Cobb? it's it's in the inspect <laughs> the, like the chief inspector sort of lieutenant boss character in Die Hard Three. Oh, the guy who's like, you better find out what, what Rock McLean's under and kick it over. <laughs> well, that's I lo- and that guy is like, I lo- first of all, I love Die Hard Three. I think that that movie is a fucking masterpiece, and that guy is like the MVP of the movie. Jesus, he's like just he's just this dude doing his job. Like all the other cops in the field are like just out there trying to help while McLean is doing the Die Hard shit. And this guy is just like he hits it on he hits it on the head so well. And I've been watching this guy since I was a little kid because he used to be on a soap opera my mom watched. So like. I hadn't seen him in, in a decade, and then he popped up in Die Hard Three. So oh, like anyway, I like that guy, Larry Brickman. He's the guy with the mustache and like the he's the older dude. He's really good in this. Well, for my part, uh, whenever you watch it, when I was and I was talking about t- talking to Corey about this when I put it in, and it's like one thing that you always are guaranteed in a Tony Scott movie, one way or another, is a great cast of character actors that you can just go like, yeah, that person, yeah, that's that true. person, that's true, yeah, that person. And then I put this, and I was like, so I don't know anything about Spy Game or whether we're gonna like it or not, but I'm gonna put it on, and and then we put it on. I was like, yeah, that person. <laughs> well, I mean, what is it? Got, I, I, I didn't know. The, the whole to, office, he could have filled these, this office with so many I, fun people, I, and I'm like, I think I recognize I, that guy. I mean, I don't know. Marion Jean-Baptiste? 
His secretary, you don't recognize her? Oh, she's good, but she yeah, she's, in the and cell she's his girl and, Friday sort of character. Um, and I really like Catherine McCormick as sort of the the female Dangerous lead in this Beauty. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I recognize many people. Um, it's and not, there was it's um, not a great cast. And then there's uh, Charlotte Rampling is in it. Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling, she turns up and you're like, oh, here we go, Charlotte, and she's like, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> goodbye. She's like hello well, I mean, and goodbye. You know, I, that's what I like. And there's also a guy named uh, and this named Amadou who is like uh, a pretty famous actor. From uh, from the Middle East, I believe. I'm sure these guys are all great. I'm just I'm just saying, especially in the office stuff, which is a lot of the movie. A good third of the movie yeah. is just the office interviewing and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. And you got David, you got David Hemmings is in this too. That's true, yeah. Hemmings. You know, like it's it's just it's not Hemmings and Hemmings. It's not the usual cast of like young hip. Like, it's no true romance, right? It's not that kind or of crimson thing. tide. But or I do, crimson I do tide. think or it enemy has, of the state. I do or think it has a really good. <laughs> it has a really good cast. It just happens to be a cast of like people that aren't super well known now. Yeah, um, super unknowns. Yeah, the Soundgarden special. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I, it wasn't like a problem, and it's not like these people are bad or anything like that. But right. I was I was at least kind of going. I, I have tried to watch this movie in the past and just sort of been like my eyes glaze over. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but it's just it's a movie that can't grab me. And, and then I was like, well, at the very least, I've watched a lot more movies since this time, so I'm going to recognize a lot more of these character actors, and right. that's going to carry me through. And I was like, no, nope, I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Delane, great. Stephen Lee's great. He has this one really fun moment too, where he's like pulling some fucking sniveling bullshit, and <laughs> he's then such he a and then he sniveling pencil, and pusher. then he like does a little dance, <laughs> uh, which I thought was really funny. Uh, so what's this movie about? It's a bunch of people in an office talking to Robert Redford. Robert yeah. Redford is, and sometimes they get lunch. A he's guy a, named Nathan Muir, and he is about to. Retire. Retire. He's like twenty four hours from retirement. Basically, it's like his last day. It's the one on last the job. job. And he gets Got a, a gray hair call. on his head. No, beautiful he basically gets a boy. heads up that morning <laughs> from his old buddy, who is David Hemmings, who works in the Hong Kong Bureau of the CIA. That something's going that down. That something's going down. And that something is that Brad Pitt's character, a guy we'll find out his name, Tom Bishop, mm. has gone into a Chinese prison and gotten busted doing some clandestine shit there. We don't know exactly what yet. Oh, also another character actor who shows up in that first uh, prison break scene is Ken Leung. Ken Leung, yes. People know from The Sopranos, but I will always remember from Lost. Absolutely. Anyway, um, so, but whatever, for whatever reason, Brad Pitt has gone in to do something in this Chinese prison and has gotten caught. And, and we is, don't know if it's CIA sanctioned or if he's on his or own. if he's on his own. And this is also a problem because there are talks between the president and the Chinese premier coming up for some shit that we don't know. And, the and they stuff. don't, government does not want to shake things up right yeah. before this yeah. big deal goes down. Shake, they don't want to shake the bake or rock the boat. They don't want to shake the shack. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, shake and, and bake. They're, they're giving, they're giving him a heads up because apparently he has like a connection with this Tom Bishop character. So he goes into the, and they're like, you better get here right away. You better get in there right away before <laughs> the cable comes in. And the higher ups find out. Dude, about imagine it. this being your last fucking twenty four hours on the job, and you're like, "Hell yeah, my last day! I'm just gonna like swoop up all the bottles of liquor people give me, and yeah. like pack up my shit, and like go on a sailing trip or whatever the fuck Robert Redford." Well, does. He's, it's important that he has saved up many hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy land in Bermuda. Thousand dollars. Oh yeah. No, he's oh, got yeah. more than that. It's how it, that's what it taps out to when he liquidates everything oh. after the penalties. He's got a quite a bit more money than that. I forgot when he finds his when he part. finds his conscience. Yeah, but um. He, he drives into the CIA in his like his vintage Porsche. <laughs> 
Because he's and a, cool and like guy. a tweed His jacket Porsche. with like anyway, he looks very funny in this. He looks very good. He's kind of like he's playing the grown up dude from Three Days of the Condor. Uh, I, I'm sure that that's what they're aiming for. Absolutely, uh, m- much more than sneakers. Oh sure, <laughs> for for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I know Tony Scott saw Three Days of the Concord. I'm pretty sure he three probably didn't see sneakers. The Concord. Three days of the, the three, of the three, three flights of the Concords. <laughs> hey, you wanna you wanna hear some music? <laughs> Had to go do a little bit of spy business. Uh-oh. Yeah, sound good, do you? Shut up, Murray. Very nice. No, anyway, uh, nice. <laughs> uh, so he drives into the CIA and gets gets ahead of the cable a little bit. The first thing he does is go in there. He's like, "What's coming over the wire right now?" And the guy's like, "I can't tell." And he's like, "Come on, buddy, it's my it's last, last day. day." Okay. <laughs> what am a, I gonna do with there's my a last lot day? Of, there's a lot of loose lips and and loose bolts on the ship that is the CIA in this movie. I it's, buy that. Yeah, I mean, I buy it too. But also, he's like, "I got the guy's key card and I made phone calls from his office." And like, nobody puts two and two together at any point. <laughs> Well, this is also important that this takes place in 1991, mm-hmm. even though it came out in 2001. It does. So I kind of had to keep reminding myself that it was like 10 years before. Yeah. this is. It takes place 30 years ago, and it has flashbacks to 20 years ago from there. But yeah. it was made, it was made 21 in, years ago. Yes. Yeah, so it's so it's present day and then flashback, flashback, flashback. But I think, interestingly enough, Tony Scott uses the traffic style uh-huh. of using different filters yes. to den- denote different times. So you're in Vietnam, you're, we're starting the, in the uh, Chinese prison, blue filters, and then we go back to Vietnam, yellow filters. Of course. And then we go to Berlin, green filters. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's but, the filters but, uh, but he was doing it. Too. Yeah, oh, the, uh, the correct filters, it's I the would correct say. Ones. The correct filters. And way like better. Like blue Vietnam would not make any sense. No. Traffic came out the year before this, mm-hmm. and uh, and we talked we talked about this on the Patreon episode that we did on traffic. Like I, I enjoy that technique, but I felt like Steven Soderbergh way overdid it. And, and, right and Tony here. Scott is, of course, mm-hmm. not gonna fuck it up. Yeah, he didn't fuck it up. <laughs> but uh, what happens next? Well, they they call first. He goes to his office and he's like, "Oh shit, something's going on." And Marianne John Baptiste is his secretary, and he's like, "Okay, so uh, those files that I had you put away about this one guy." Get those and put them in a burn bag and don't and hide them somewhere. Like don't let anybody do anything with them until I tell you to. So he's already hiding all of his files um, on Brad Pitt. We still don't know yeah. what their connection is. Right. But he um, just wants to be on top of it because he doesn't really know how everything's going to pan out either. And right. We don't know who, and he how they're connected. Doesn't, he doesn't trust the suits. Yeah. And uh, then they the suits call him into the boardroom, which is where the predominant part of the movie sort of takes place, and they're going to like basically quiz Muir on what his connection to Bishop is, and does he know anything about what he was doing in China and all this stuff. Because basically, Bishop is, he's imprisoned, and they want the U.S. government to negotiate with them to release him, basically, like... Or not. He needs to make a deal for his life or not, and the the CIA guys want Robert Redford to give them information that'll make them feel okay about letting this guy die. Yes. Yes. They're trying to figure out whether they want to stick their neck out for this guy or just let him dangle, which is what they clearly what they want, clearly want to do. Yeah. Yes. And and they're uh, looking for anything. Yeah. And Robert Redford is like he doesn't know what he wants to do yet, but he's basically looking out for number one right now. Mm. And uh, Cause then he, his because he overgoes a character transformation yeah. over the course of this one day. That's true. And uh, then the so then we find out where they first met each other, which was in like Da Nang. Oh, you like, better believe they're in the Vietnam. Shit. And this is this is the, the part. Shit. This is the part where I had to be like, "Wait a minute, when does this take place?" And it does take place right after the Cold War, because I was like, "Brad Pitt wasn't in fucking Vietnam." I know. I was. Yeah. I had to do like <laughs> all this adding and subtracting. Like, yeah. Wait and a it's minute. seventy-five too. They even pushed it to the very farthest yeah, that they could. And I was like, "He was 12. But no, it's this takes place in uh, this t- takes place right because you see in news footage the fucking Berlin Wall is falling down. Yep, it, said, it said the fucking Berlin Wall is falling down. Well, people were excited. <laughs> people were excited. Remember Tom Brokaw? 
<laughs> the fucking, the fucking Berlin Wall is falling down. Uh, mellifluous tones of freedom. Uh, <laughs> how many L's are in Israeli? Well, heavens to Betsy, the fucking Dan Rather. <laughs> Strom Thurmond. Str- Remember when Strom Thurmond? Oh, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> he was My 114. God, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Politics, just politics, politics and history. You We're understand. smart. You We're smart guys. You I'm just a girl, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Things. <laughs> we we like to chop it up. Yeah, taking it out, chopping it up. Taking it out, chopping it up. Uh, so, Robert Redford is a company guy in in Vietnam in '75, looking for an Arvin sniper to go take out a a, a North Vietnamese general. Aren't we all? Uh, but he gets to he gets to the firebase where he's supposed to meet his sniper, and this is really funny too because uh, this is like one of those sort of legendary things that they claim that people claim would happen in Vietnam, where like some dude, some suit would show up, uh, you know, at a firebase, you know, with a briefcase and, and go like, "Hey, uh, I need a sniper to go out and kill somebody," and they're like. Because nobody knows who the fuck this guy is and he has no credentials, they're like, oh, he must be from the CIA. Oh. And they would just sort of let him do whatever he wanted because that was mm. the general rule at the time. Like, if one of these suits shows up, like, they're CIA. Let him do whatever they want. Uh, so he just rolls in there. And he's like, so where's my sniper? And they're like, well, sir, the sniper was killed last week, uh, so we don't have anybody for you. Well, is there anybody I can use? Well, there's this one guy over here, and it's Brad he's Pitt. He's beautiful. It's Brad Pitt and his spotter, Benedict Wong. This, this sniper guy better be beautiful. Yeah. There's a really funny line where he's like, where these he's like, why is he staying over there at that side of the camp? And the the guy explains all this stuff about like how they you know they want to keep themselves from smelling like Americans and stuff so they can hide better in the field. And the guy's like, they cook their own food. And then he uses really gnarly slur. And I always thought the line was funny anyway. Uh, but I, I like I like all that like like tradecraft stuff that they throw in here. Yeah. And anyway, he starts. So he sits down and he meets Brad Pitt and he's like, "Where'd you learn to shoot, Boy Scouts? All that stuff." They have like a cute little bantery meeting the movie does definitely does a whole sort of like oh boy whenever it's brad pitt because these guys are both big stars yeah. let's really yeah oh let's savor it when they're talking to each other and they're gonna be friends i do on. think they have pretty good chemistry together <laughs> I think they so do too. Well, well they're both good actors yeah and they both have that boyish charm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're both gorgeous gorgeous men uh and so the first big chunk of this is they go out to to shoot this uh this vietnamese general and then they kind of they they manage to do it at the last second but they get Chased by a helicopter. It's a cool There's scene. a helicopter shootout crash thing. Yeah. And Robert Redford has to come in and rescue them at the last minute. And then he decides that he's gonna turn this kid into an asset. He's yeah. like, I see I see something in him. I'm gonna I'm gonna train him to be a spy. And that and 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 then it will flash and then we'll flash back to the office and mm-hmm. they'll be like blah 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 people character actors you don't recognize grilling Robert Redford and then a little bit more of that business and then we go to Berlin. Well I there's believe. also a bunch of stuff at this point where now he because now Redford understands what's going on with Brad Pitt, and they're like, "We'll take a break." And he runs back to his office and like tells her what to do with the documents. And now already the the guys the suits are like trashing all of his papers. Yeah, they've gone through stuff. everything. It's and, spy uh, shit happening in the past. It's spy ship ha- shit happening in the present, where like the everybody everybody's lying all the time, playing yeah. the, like you know it's yeah. fine. And he's calling his buddy. He's calling his buddy at the Hong Kong office. He's calling his buddy at the. Uh, at the Financial Times China Bureau, oh yeah, to get to get him to like plant maybe plant a story about maybe there's a CIA agent that got caught, so that yeah, like, so it that it'll public. come out and then they won't ha- they will be like well we can't kill him now because public eyes are on us exactly, uh, and so there's that and then there's also 
he keeps making calls to who people whom he claims are his wives. Yeah. But are like alternately like maybe the guy at the newspaper or his secretary and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh, another one of his wives. Another one of the, how many wives does this guy have? It's one of his. It's one of the running gags to this movie is that Robert Redford, as as amiable and easy breezy as he sort of seems, is the best it's at the this best. stuff. And nobody, even even though he's worked at the fucking CIA, yeah. whose business it is to know things, even these guys don't know his his business, and, and we never really find out at the end it's also subtly important at this point that one of the first phone calls he takes in the in the room is from it's from a secretary and they're, they're doing a whole thing but he basically starts talking in a little bit of code he's like no you want to hold that reservation for dinner tonight it, we might still be able to use it mm. uh talking about how <laughs> don't burn he mean what he means there is don't burn the bag of of files i gave you what, is it, what does he call it later? Like Project Dinner it's Out? It's Operation Dinner Out. Operation so that's dinner. that's how that comes and around. And like, during these phone calls, like, these the guys other on the guys silence are like, are like, wow, I wouldn't talk to my wife that yeah, way. Because yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the movie, he's, he's such a dick. when they do the thing, he's like, okay, Operation Dinner Out is go. And he's like, well, who talks to his wife that way? <laughs> you dumb CIA guy. Come on. We're all talking in yeah. code here. Wake um, up. We're also treated to a really, just a cute montage of Brad Pitt being trained to be a spy, is, which I love. Yes, this <laughs> is the meat of the movie, I feel like. This is what you came yeah. to see. That stuff's good where he's like, okay, I need you to go and get into that apartment in three minutes, or I need you to get yeah. that girl's phone number. I need number. you to go talk to that woman and get as much information as you can from her without giving information. And then he comes back and he's like, what'd well, you tell you, her? Yeah, like you get you gave her your name, your address, you you told her what your fake job was, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yo, I got her number or whatever. He's like, that's not good enough. Well, he goes, now you've, told, you've given her three lies that now have to be true. Yeah. Uh, so goes, I need you to set this bag of poop on fire and knock on this guy's door. <laughs> he makes just watch what happens. Just does. watch. Now, are we learning yet? <laughs> and during this whole chunk of time, too, they're also like constantly having this debate over like, where's the line? Like, how far are we prepared to go? What, what malice are we prepared to incorporate into our lives? In order to achieve our goals. Yeah, are we friends or are we assets? Yeah. It needs to be pointed out, since we're talking about this sort of stuff, that this movie came out two or two November. Yeah. So a couple months after 9-11, but it so. obviously was not being made. Yeah. wasn't made. It was made before 9-11. It came out in a Tony Vember of its own. Mm-hmm. It came out in Tony Vember. That's so right. Cute. That's wonderful. But that's why it, like, it, it only hits on these themes that would seem to be... And maybe maybe that worked. Maybe that was perfect for them. Maybe yeah. they felt like they dodged a bullet and that they don't really drill yeah. down on a lot of this stuff it, during a very sensitive time in the country. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty soft shoe. It is. Stuff. It's, it's sort of like... It's almost like maybe they... Maybe they pulled that stuff out at the last minute. Maybe there was more of it. They also uh, had to just been like, "Thank God it's China," and it just doesn't have just, right. just doesn't have jack shit to do. Although with there's a significant chunk of this that takes place in Beirut. That is true, Be- but Beirut, yeah, really, really lodged into the eighties. Yeah, and Beirut's the third phase where we get our third uh, filter. Yes, our third visual. But the Berlin stuff is is I think where you're where you're, the where Berlin is sort of the meat of the movie. Yeah. Uh, especially the meat of like you know the reason you're going to see the movie is Brad Pitt and Robert Ever doing spy shit together so yeah. that's what you get here bantering there's the whole there's the awesome okay first there's a big whole, whole thing where like it turns out that Charlotte Rampling is like a Berlin socialite Cathcart and they're gonna expose her because she's running spies back and forth and um, meanwhile they're gonna try to extract this asset to the to uh, East Berlin out of the West. Uh, and that mission sort of appears to go wrong, but it turns out that really it was a setup 
so that they could sort of they would sacrifice this asset that they were pretending to extract in order to expose Charlotte Rampling's whole thing. Yes. And Brad Pitt is like, they're going to kill this guy. And Robert Redford is like, we don't care. That's how that's what we need to move forward. Yeah. And that's so that their assets, not that people. is sort of the biggest rift that starts there in their relationship. And there's also the follow up to that is the great scene where they have this argument on the rooftop in Berlin. And Brad Pitt like throws a chair off the roof, he throws a chair and the off whole the thing roof. is shot. And probably like, it's like the somebody. swirling shot. It's the roof of the Fuji 360 film. helicopters. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking and this was showed rad. on this was shot on Kodak film. Uh-oh. Whoa, that's we, we looked it up. Controversial. It's, it's pure, pure hypocrisy. Pure hypocrisy. But he does. But Brad Pitt literally throws a heavy chair off, off the, the roof, roof of this thing, almost certainly killing a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least, at least one baby. And I love how the whole thing is shot with these, you know, swirling helicopters and zooms and stuff and like this that. This is the stuff where you're like, yeah, Michael Bay. Got yeah, like Tony Scott, sixty yeah. percent of his shit from Tony Scott. It's great, uh, but this is like it's this stuff, this asset stuff, where that's the the dramatic sort of fulcrum of at least their relationship. Because Brad Pitt, obviously, you would think getting into this, at least from a movie perspective, getting into this, you'd have to be some sort of uh, good. You know, he's like a Boy Scout and wants to do good and save people and stuff. And it's like, well, sometimes. And Robert Redford's the older, wizened guy who's like, well, sometimes, me, you know, to save more people, you got to fuck this person over. And he's right. like, but I don't want to do that. But at one point, uh, this is where you get an almost titular line. And Brad Pitt goes, it's not a fucking game. <laughs> it's Robert, not a fucking spy and game. And Robert Redford goes, oh, yes, it is. And it's serious and it is dangerous. And like all this. And this is the stuff the mentor, and, and, and mentor mentee, but it's also but it spies, but it's also as actors because mm-hmm. Robert Redford's the mentor. And, yeah. oh, mm, so many layers. It's hot so shit, many man. layers. I love it. I love it. This, is the, this, is, this is the crux of the whole thing. This is what it's, it's the best. About. It's the best, definitely the best. Yeah, instead of a pure action kind of like political intrigue movie it's very much about the evolving relationship between our two guys here's a cool line Robert Rifford says uh, on the matter of this uh, of this subject where he's like if it comes down to you or your asset send flowers Oh, Come on, that's wow. silly. That's dumb. And I have. To, I also wanted to point out that at one point, Robert Redford is. T- when this is when he's talking about Brad Pitt to the, uh, to the guys while, while you know flashing back and forth from the training montage, and he goes, "He was a natural." Because <laughs> Robert Redford was the in natural. a movie called The Natural, right? Etc. And so forth. We were sneakers, all right. <laughs> oh, those three days of the Condor. Those were something else. Those were something else. Oh, they were Havana Nights. <laughs> no, or wrong. No, just Havana. Havana. Nights is just Havana. Just Havana. Yeah. God damn it. I was thinking of Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, which okay. I'm pretty sure Robert Redford is not in. Nope, don't think so. Oh, we were we were real legal eagles back then. Um, there's a really Great cute movie. part. There's a cute oh, part in no. this. <laughs> you guys. There's a cute part in this where Brad Pitt... Uh, had to do some investigation because he wanted to find out Robert Redford's actual birthday. Aww. And I thought that was so sweet. So it, t- it took a lot of, I talked to a lot of people to find out your actual date of birth. Then he gets him like a, what does he get him? He gets him some gift that's important. Uh, He gets him four Alaskan ale pilsners. Yep. that's so Those are the important <laughs> gifts. <laughs> he knew what I liked. He was a natural. <laughs> oh, he gets him a little flask. Yeah, it's this little this little flask that uh, we see him look at earlier in the movie. Oh, yeah. We're not sure what the importance is until later. Yeah. Looks just like the flask that Bill Duke drinks out of in Predator. Because I think at the beginning of the pleasure. movie, when Require. they ask here. when they ask if he knows the guy, he's yes. like, "Oh, I kind of know the guy." And then we see him like kind of look at this flask. And then later we realize that's the flask he gave him for his birthday, which means he really knew the guy. 
Yeah, and part of part of it is uh, Robert Redford's evolving like humanity throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out the real but, uh, spy game is the friends we made along definitely. the way. Definitely, that is true. <laughs> but also, so. like it's it's because kind of earlier on he he's he's he plays things close to the yeah. uh, chest, I believe, as Christopher Nolan close would to the say. ground, close to the ground, close to the ground, as Sun Tzu would say, and uh, and uh, and so Tzu. he's so they're kind of like, what do you th- what do you think about this Tom Bishop guy? And he's like, eh, it's fine, whatever. Eh, I don't have to think one way or another about him. But, but we do find way, out as way? as the movie goes along that he does he does like him. Yeah. He feels ways did. about him. This is why men need therapy. This is why men would rather do, do, do spy twenty five years of spy <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Spy game flashbacks. Then go to therapy. Um, there's also there's that I don't know who says this line, but it's do you remember when we could tell the good guys from the bad guys? Oh man, what a line. Oh. I don't. <laughs> what a line. Really makes you think. Really makes you think. It was easier back then in some ways. It's not a particularly provocative movie. And and, no. and like Matt might be right that like this this they may, might have done a little trimming just to it's sort of possible. like we need to we can't be like going it might have been had had a little bit more of an anti CIA yeah. edge to it or something, and they were like, "It well, certainly we has one shit. to a degree, to a degree, but it's very it's not one that's unique." And it's it's interesting that like all of the all of the shit is blowback related. It's like, well, the CIA did this stuff, and then good people, quote unquote, like sort of rebelled against that to yeah. repair the damage. Yes, eh, I'm not sure. I there is that. A, a rock and electric guitar score, though. Yes, I think, <laughs> believe it's it's Harry Gregson Williams. Harry Gregson Williams yeah. did the s- scores for all three of these movies. Yeah. He was well. He was one of he was one of Zimmer's like industry guys. Like Zimmer, he was like a protege of Hans Zimmer. They still work together a lot, and, and he gets the Zimmer notes in there sometimes. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think all three of these have really good scores. Ah, but especially I like the I like the music in this one. It's fun. It's pretty basic stuff. I it's mean. very it's very standard. Uh, it, they basically the scores in these movies align with how I feel about them. Okay. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but that's when we get to the Beirut stuff, and this pushes the limit of of Brad Pitt's relationship with uh, with yes. uh, Robert Redford vis a vis this whole morality. What are we willing to sacrifice? Yes, thing because so it, what's going on in Beirut? This is where the movie starts to break down narratively. Like it's a little, it gets a little hard to follow. I think yeah. this stuff looks the best though. It the does. Beirut it stuff. looks really good, and Pitt's really good here. Yeah, but basically, there's there's this woman there, Catherine McCormick's Dangerous character. Beauty. Yes, and she is ostensibly working as a as a doctor in in like demilitarized areas of Beirut during during the conflict there. But really she is funneling arms and aid to the other side. Yeah. Whoever that is. Isn't she just kind of doing it to anyone who anyone who needs it on the other side because her whole thing is that she's not on a side, right? Like, exactly, and thing. she's morally doing she's for the people. She's doing she's it on for the humanitarian, side of, of yeah, 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 being good. But yes. she she is doing cloak and dagger stuff, but it's to be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, there is this prominent uh, this prominent leader that the CIA wants taken out, and their plan is to get this doctor and convince him, true or not, that this guy that they want assassinated murdered his parents and get his doctor to poison him under the guise of a routine medical checkup. But they have a backup plan to get Hezbollah to blow up the building instead, yeah. just in case the doctor doesn't come through. And there's this... That, so that's sort of like the narrative of what's going on in this section of the movie. Meanwhile, Brad Pitt falls in love with Catherine McCormick's character. Of course. And uh, Redford wants to leverage her to get to... The doctor, because to him she's just another she's asset. She's just another asset, uh, and it all kind of goes haywire 
And uh, the doctor is like maybe going to chicken out. Brad Pitt has to go get him and drive him across town through all of these roadblocks to get him to the building so that he can do the poisoning at the exact time. But meanwhile, the Hezbollah dudes, you know, Robert Redford can't wait anymore, so he calls him in, and they blow up the building with the doctor in it accidentally, and the whole thing goes to shit. They blow yeah. the fuck It's a really out of cool explosion. Too. A truck goes crashing into it, and then it blows, like, obviously just packed to the gills yeah. with C4 or whatever, and, the, and it's one of those explosions, uh, like an enemy of the state, where the building collapses afterwards. Mm-hmm. You're like, God damn. There's a really good shower. Brad Pitt gets, like, knocked off his feet. And it's also a, th- a thing that they do in movies a lot of time because they just like this term to use this term, but they never, but they can't show it. I think because of budget <laughs> constraints, or they were like, it was enough explosives to level an entire city block. And it's like, well, we saw it; it didn't level <laughs> an entire city block. It was one building. One it building. leveled one building. But you can imagine multiple buildings. There was enough. There was enough in there to do it. It just didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like, sure, it just sounds cool to say to level an entire city block. And this this permanently destroys his relationship with uh, Robert Redford and his relationship with Catherine McCormick. Yeah, and Robert Redford's a real stinker about it afterwards. <laughs> and he, and he, he basically goes, Brad Pitt goes like, well, you killed 130 people to kill one terrorist. Are you happy? And he's like, yeah, happy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not happy. Nobody's happy with this. Yeah, and they have that. This the spy game. That confrontation at the restaurant or whatever when Brad, Brad Pitt's out with her. Yeah, yeah. Pretending that they're old buddies. Yeah. Yeah, the this chief is, scotch. That's a good. That's a good scene. There's some fun stuff in uh, in Beirut um, before the the the, fu- the conclusion where they, that really drives them apart, uh, where Robert Redford kills all those people. Yeah. Um, but this this part where they're like, hey, we we're we're in this one location. Let's go to another location. And they but they're it's through a war zone. Yeah. And so you get these two movie stars, and they're like ducking behind gunfire and bantering to each other. And once again, you're yeah. in the meat of the movie. You're that's like, all this we is want. why we're here. Yeah. Yeah, and it is fun. Super good stuff. Uh, but the, yeah, the, this is the last time. This is the last flashback. The last flashback, and Robert Redford tells the the group that this is the last time he saw him. Even though I think there's one more meeting between the two of them, but it does it does does drive them apart. Yeah. And now Brad Pitt, because this is how we find out, basically coming back to the ending, that the whole reason that Brad Pitt was breaking into the uh, Chinese prison was to save Dangerous Beauty, and he's doing it for love. That Dangerous Beauty was that that the CIA gave Catherine McCormick to the Chinese years ago. Yeah. Like in some other exchange of bullshit, and that's why she's holed up in this Chinese prison being miserable, and uh, Brad Pitt found out about that, and he's gone off book to try to get her out himself, and that's why we see like Benedict Wong is also on the team with him at the beginning of the movie going into the prison, stuff like that. Um, And at this point, Robert Redford is like, I'm not going to hang him out to dry, like I feel responsible for this. He's had his sort of change of heart. We know that they're going to execute him at 8 a.m., CIA time. We are we are getting those. These, we are getting countdown prompts. Yeah. yeah, in a font that has uh, s- since become uh, yeah. less cool. But it was cool back then. <laughs> it was cool back then. But you see it now, and you're like, Ew. it's the enemy of the state font. Sort <laughs> it's of. It's a Comic Sans. It's weird. It's Comic Sans. <laughs> it's, comic Sans. <laughs> it's Papyrus. It's Chiller. <laughs> Joker Man. <laughs> it's just Wingdings, really. It's possible. <laughs> I don't understand, what it understand says. The Isn't everything. Wingdings? Just Wingdings, really. When you think about it. <laughs> uh, and so he basically. Um, Starts pulling all this clandestine shit at the CIA. He he liquidates his retirement fund. He manipulates a satellite to pull out uh, satellite imaging data. He forges orders on documents and sends them to a carrier. In <laughs> he the is getting South shit China done. This he is does this in a matter of hours. He is the most productive spy in those last twenty four hours than. 
than and I could ever imagine. And he's also doing it while they're actively looking for him in the building. Because he's, like, using other people's offices and stuff like that. Yeah, needless to say, he's great at his job. He's really, really good at spy games. But this yeah. is funny to me, considering that this is a $130 million movie with these two huge stars and stuff. This is, gives you an idea of kind of how... This cost $130? Something, $115, Yeah, it was probably wow. mostly to get huge, these two and stars. And 2001? Mostly to get the stars, 2001. Um, but, like, this is... but. This is ten minutes before the ending of the movie. We're building to the climax, and it's Robert Redford in his office, like writing on pieces of paper and stuff. It's not. It's not the, the most money, cracker the jack money stuff went in the world. To the explosion and Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. Well, they yes. shot a lot on location too. There's a lot on location. There's some stuff that's on location. Some, some I think that's dressed up to look on location. I mean, I mean, they shot. It says here they it shot on Beirut. It, it doesn't. They look had cheap. to pay a lot of money to fight on the roof of the Fuji. Looks like the Berlin building. stuff was mostly Hungary. I'm but I, I'm just I, like it doesn't look like a cheap looking movie. I, I'm just saying that there's a reason <laughs> yeah. that this one of the many reasons that this movie can't fully grab me is that there's ten ten minutes to the end and it's Robert Redford in his office, like yeah. do, making copies and stuff. <laughs> I like that stuff. I don't know. I yeah, it I think I think I I was into it. Like I said, I think I really enjoyed the story structure of it yeah. because it wasn't like the so much of the action took place in the flashbacks, and I I thought that worked at least for me watching it. But I could also see how. It, come off as kind of a drag there must be a screenwriter term for this t- structure of story where it's like a person telling a story to a, a like it's usually like cops interviewing a person uh-huh. or a ju- or like a c- committee interviewing a person and then we go f- back and forth uh-huh. it's like almost every tv show has a, an episode a season that's oh like, yeah it's told like this it's, it's really very, popular like, now law and ordery it's almost as popular as the whole st- in media res starting with the action oh, and then man. going that's like let's go, go back to go where, how we got here that folks. they should have done this at the that. beginning of this movie, like Brad Pitt's been finally caught by the Chinese prison guys, and he's like, "That's me." Bet you're wondering how I got it. <laughs> I here. love that. <laughs> Let's play the spy I hate game, that and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so anyway, um, uh, bet you're wondering. How Robert I got Redford here. organizes this whole thing, and ba- and he like, and he w- they they catch him. the The suits in the boardroom catch him, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And he's like. Spy game. I've been uh, I've been <laughs> using game. I've been using in company funds for my to like scout real estate to buy for my retirement. Oh, this is where he houses uh, Stannis yeah, Baratheon. He, so he switches the two satellite images because just Cause nobody's paying attention. It's like that thing on John and Oliver. They look, they look like, That's not Guatemala. <laughs> this is no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and He's like, why do you have a map of China or whatever? He's like, uh, it's, it's Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah, I was using uh, government funds to look at my retirement house. And sorry, you got me. And, and Stannis li- Baratheon's like, oh no. And it's like, obviously, I feel like I would too. You know? And oh he, sure. This he is the liquidates app, yeah. his entire retirement fund to pay for thirty minutes of power blackout at the prison. And there's a really funny scene where he's talking to David Hemmings on the phone, who's negotiating for him with the Chinese officials who he needs to bribe. And those guys are just watching Baywatch. Yeah, there's a lot more <laughs> yeah, Baywatch. A lot more Baywatch in this movie than you might expect. Than you might expect, yeah. Um, and and he he basically function he packages it all under this thing, Operation Dinner Out. And the last phone call he takes in the boardroom is to Dale Die, the famous Dale Die. You know who he is? No. He's the guitarist. No, that's Steve Vai. Oh, that's, that's Dick Dale. Uh, no, Dale Die is like Steve Vai. <laughs> Dale Die is a, a guy who's like an actor and, but mostly known as a technical advisor. Like he's in Platoon. He's like in any any Vietnam movie. Oh, the guy who's up. just always a general. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He's he's been a general in a thousand. He's eaten the sandwich in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. He looks great. He looks the part. He plays Tom Cruise's dad in a movie called Night and Day that I really like. Hmm. Anyway, wow. uh, yeah, he and he's like in the rain. He's in the Tony Scott rain in his like we captain's outfit reading the orders like, Operation Dinner Out, I need a confirmation, sir. And he's like, Dinner Out is a go. I don't know. I wouldn't talk to my wife that way. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> and then and then they, uh, the the guys go in and they extract Brad Pitt and Catherine McCormick and, uh, and they the get operation away. dinner. And Brad out. Pitt, yeah, it was a inside joke or something between him and Brad. It's between Pitt. the two of them and yeah. that they know, and that's so. So when Brad Pitt, oh, he's not beautiful anymore. He's not. He ain't he's pretty no more. And he's been, but he's on the helicopter. He's being flown away with uh, with dangerous beauty. And then you hear the helicopter pilot go, "This is Operation Dinner Out," and he goes, "What's the operation again?" Yeah, Operation Dinner Out. And then you get the music swells because Brad Pitt knows that Ew. his buddy and his mentor. He's Robert not Redford, just an asset. He's a friend. He was yeah. f- it was friends. They were friends all along, and he did the right thing in the end, and he ended up believing in the goodness of good. And as and as uh, Robert Redford is exiting the CIA and like on you know like leaving for the last time, the guys in the boardroom are like, "We just found out that Tom Bishop was extracted from the prison by the U- by us by our guys." And they're like, "What, Robert Redford? You fucked us!" And he just leaves and gets. You away. mean the guy who's been married four or five times, and then they're like, they "No, he wives. hasn't been married ever." Yeah, he's yeah. a virgin. We found out here in the medical records that he's a virgin, and they can't even make a huge fuss about it because no one's supposed to know that this even happened. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Uh, and this uh, was dedicated to Tony Scott's mom. Yeah, that's true. That's great. That's cute. But yeah, he drives away in his Porsche to to his back to his Kaiser Susie esque mystery life. Yep. And uh, we never find out who he really was or how many wives he actually did have. Yeah. And there's cool music while he's driving away in his Porsche. Natasha Gregson Wagner's music. Fucking yeah. rock and roll, man. Fucking rock and roll. Fucking rock and roll, man. Absolutely. And that was the last game of Spies. <laughs> Do you think Tony Scott's mom had a big Spy crush game. on Robert Redford and that's why he dedicated the movie to her? I don't know. I think probably just because she'd recently passed away, but maybe. I feel like all moms have crushes on Robert Redford. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if my to. mom does. You want to text her right now? I wonder okay. if my mom still has a crush on Mel Gibson. Text her. I sure hope not. Everyone text your moms, ask who their celebrity my mom's, crush is. My mom's is probably Pierce Brosnan. Hmm. I can't text my mom because she is in the Galapagos Islands right well, now. Well, really? la-dee-da, and that, and that Travis. Is, true. is that true? Yeah. That is 100%. Uh, actually, That's amazing. I, I want to read this since, since I'm on the t- on the subject of it because this is fucking true. Are you about to read a mom text? My mom sent me a, a gif text. over text last week for the first time. I was uh, very, what was, Wait, what was the gif? It was like a hug. <gasps> Love it. Yeah, it's like a cartoon hug. All right, so this is true, and I don't mean mean this to sound disparaging to my mom. It's just the way she. she no, we she, love mom. It's the way she's pretty a wonderful crazy. woman. Pretty crazy. This is the way. Just the just the way that she texts. Yeah, of course. And, and it doesn't map into. But anyways, there was she's a plane. Like, it's like fourteen words. There was a fucking plane crash in Lima, Peru. This is where the, my our, my parents were flying into uh-huh. on their trip to the Galapagos Island. There was a fucking plane crash, on the on the runway of the airport that they were at. Oh Uh-oh. God. And uh, if people died, only a couple people died, but it was no on the tar- only two. So who cares? Uh, but anyway, like a, a huge, huge deal. And anyways, uh, so this is what she says: major change in plans. Lima Airport closed due to crash, so our flight to Cusco is canceled. We are taking twenty-hour bus ride instead. Sigh. <laughs> she wrote out. She wrote out. <laughs> like, mom, people, are, people like feel, are dead. I can feel the disappointment in your mom's text. Uh, we are trying to go to a place, but the twenty-hour bus ride. Inside baseball joke: What if your parents come back from their trip and they're like, on that twenty-hour bus ride, we decided we were gonna make chili and watch uh, movies all the time. We, did, we invented chili night, son. What do you think of that? That's right. Cute. That was how chili night got invented. Was Kevin and Travis's bus ride to Prague from Rome? Twenty-hour oh. bus ride. Well, hopefully I believe it was a 24 hours. Yeah. Longer than, definitely longer than 20. 
So my mom has nothing to complain about. That's true. You should text that to her. Yeah. I, I did. I did. I was like, Mom, you have nothing to complain about. You're alive. You care. You're a liar. You mom, you're a super Karen. Uh, do you have any more lines from this? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Do you, don't you want to get any more of my, my mom's texts? Uh, that's from this movie. Remember, we could tell the bad guys from the good guys. That's about as head, I have deep one. this movie. Oh is. yeah, go for it. Mine is uh, if I'm walking into a shitstorm, I want to know which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> Red, yes. Redford says to a CIA guy. Here's a couple lines where that wouldn't protect you from the shit though. Well, it would if he's walking into the shit storm. He wants to know which way the wind is blowing so that he can avoid being the shit blown right into his face. Yeah. Okay. You don't mind if it enough. like hitting the back of your head. Yeah. You don't want to direct. You want to like, go into, into I would prefer mouth. to not get shit on me at all. Yeah, but if you're walking if you into choose, a shit storm. Yeah. You have to choose. It's either hitting you in the back of the head or going into your eyes Straight and Straight into your eyeballs and mouth. Yeah. You've hmm. got to choose back ahead. Uh, you'd think. Uh, here's a couple uh, lines where they're talking, where they're both bantering with each other, and they're talking about how beautiful each other are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, like uh, I think Brad Pitt is shaving, and uh, and, and Robert Redford, Redford is goes, like, if John Doe's head should split open and a UFO should come out. <laughs> My God, you're hideous. Why do you even bother? Because <laughs> it's Brad Pitt. It's and funny. then uh, and then at one point, Brad Pitt says to Robert Redford, "You're gonna make a beautiful corpse." Mm. Yeah. These boys, because they're hot. They're hotties. They're famous. They're very famously hot. Um, how do we feel oh, about well, Robert Redford's hotness level? Hotness level in this movie, particularly bad. Okay. <laughs> Go on. I and I've never really been a big Robert Redford. Thinking he's a, tr- I like know in my in my logical brain that he is mm-hmm. or he was attractive, but I think he he was too conventionally attractive mm-hmm. for me and uh, just not my taste. He doesn't really have any kind of dirtbag vibes to it. Yeah, I need someone who looks like he hasn't showered in a long time. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> he's pretty old in this movie, too. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, he's kind of old. He's kind of old, and then the flashbacks to like 20 years earlier, it's like, he's still fucking old. Doesn't yeah. look, he doesn't look 20 years younger here. <laughs> he started in the 50s. Yeah. He's old as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's there's another line at the beginning that it made me think that this movie was gonna have a different kind of writing to it. But this is he's like, when did Noah build the ark, Gladys? Before the rain, before the rain. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, is this gonna be like stylishly mammoth-esque or something? Like, no, no, not, really. not like that at all. Uh, we need the press on this, like we need a third tit. <laughs> Everyone could use a third tit. I feel like you could you could go with. Why third not? Tit. It'd be fun. I feel like you feel like you need one. you need three hands. Maybe. <laughs> 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 ratings. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give it three and three quarters juds, like Damn. close to four juds. It's an old favorite of mine. You know, I just I, I when I watched it for the show a couple weeks ago, I was like, ah, I'm just happy to be happy to have this one on. Happy to you be know? here, everyone. Just like I just <laughs> like this movie. I like their chemistry. I like the way it looks. I like the music. I think that the structure of it is interesting. I enjoy the like sort of swaggery parts of it, like, you know, them going to Vietnam and going into ba- Berlin and Beirut and stuff. Like, I like all that spycraft stuff. I'm just into it. Uh, it's a subject matter that it, the movie doesn't have to work very hard to win me over. Uh, so it did. Uh, and I'm going to give it zero Douglases. Yeah. Maybe maybe half a Douglas. There's no sex. There's a I sex was, scene, but it's like no Douglas yeah. in this. Let's is be this real. R, this is is this PG thirteen? It's rated R. Is it for yeah. what? For language and violence, I guess. I I really thought when uh, Catherine McCormick was was got involved uh, that we were gonna get at least a, like a, a Tony, like, Scott, top, Tony Scott sex scene, 
and yeah. and it just cuts to them in bed, like in bed afterwards, and you're like, eh, yeah, yeah, right. and those Douglases for this, yeah. And I'm gonna give a ten out of ten uh, hastily flung chairs, <laughs> killing at least one baby, at least one baby. A big, that chair killed a baby and a dog. The famous Berlin chair incident. <laughs> the worst thing. The chair in that city. The worst thing ever. <laughs> Everything changed when those walls came down. Uh, I'm gonna give it three. I just think it's it is just right down the line. It's very bland. Like uh, Emily pointed out, the whole um, the whole thesis of the movie is: remember, are we still doing a good thing? <laughs> it's just like God. And I don't know if it was sanitized after after 9/11 type stuff. It doesn't feel like it anymore. It it just feels very bland. But it's not bad. I mean, Tony Scott directed it. He does a he, he does a very fine job. Yeah. And and I like Brad Pitt and Robert Redford, but it's it, it does this movie does have a hard time keeping my attention. And uh, I can watch another movie. I like the Spycraft stuff. There's a a movie that we did talk about earlier called Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that is as slow as all get out that I find absolutely riveting. Yeah. Uh. So that's that's a movie that's doing the right thing and that has the character actors that I want to see that has the level of gravity that I want to see in this sort of stuff. And this one has a weird combination of of kind of breeziness. It has a kind of breeziness to it that doesn't help, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll say. Uh, zero Douglases, and I'm going to give it five filters, because hmm. I think he uses five different kinds of filters for oh, the different nice. locations. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. My, my wife. <laughs> my, my wife. My wife. Um, I'm gonna give it three Juds for everyone's reason. It's just solid down the line. I wasn't blown away by it, um, but I enjoyed myself watching it. It's pretty good. I'm giving it zero Douglases because nothing sexy, sexy. Nothing sexy at all. Nothing sexy. Nothing sexy. Nothing sexy. Nothing sexy. Money partner. I'm giving nothing sexy. Nothing sexy. I'm giving it four imaginary ex-wives. Ooh, good one. Thanks. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. All right, now we're moving on. What's likely to be the most controversial one in the in the in the rundown today? Yeah, uh, 2004's Man on Fire. There were 24 kidnappings in Mexico City in the last six days. Have you protected a lot of children before, Mr. Crazy? Bodyguards gotta be close to people. You know, I'm no good at that. Be the silent type. People are gonna appreciate that. 16 years of military experience, extensive counterterrorism work. What happened to your hand? It's a birth defect. No, it's not. No more questions. That's it. Period. You hear me? Peter just wants to be friends. I regret that your profession needs to exist. So do I, Marjorie. He's like a bear. Yeah? Big, sad bear. Good things happen too, Gracie. Yeah? Like what? Like meeting me. <laughs> Gracie, you're smiling. Peter! Run! 
a remake. This man is on fire. (laughs) This man is on fire. Keep going. going. Stretch. He's walking on fire. Oh. Anyways. I love it. Dulcet tones. Uh, I think that this this movie, if it was going to have music in it, it would be more like new metal or something like that. <laughs> or there, there is, in fact, a Spanish-language version of Mickey. Oh, love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the music would be the music from the uh, commercial that's like, you wouldn't steal a car. That is, in fact, what the, mu- the music sounds exactly like a background music from the You Wouldn't Steal a Car You wouldn't thing. download would a great. purse. <laughs> so why steal a DVD? Yeah, fuck you, man. I'm going to steal everything now. Yeah. I am going to steal a car. I ain't thought about it. Now I want to steal a car. Uh, anyways, Man on Fire. Yeah, let's. It's based let's on a novel get down that it. was previously made into a movie in the '80s with Scott Glenn. I Scott have that Glenn. rented at my house right now because I was going to watch it before we talked, but then I didn't have time. It's, it's pretty good. Is it's it like, good. It's 90 minutes. It's like very straightforward. Okay. It, this is way better. I'll I check think. it out. Well, yeah, I love this movie. This is I my. I think this is my favorite. Uh, I love this movie so much. It's your favorite Tony Scott movie? No, my favorite oh, out of oh, these. Of the three. But this is. This might be in, at least my top three favorite Tony Scott movies. Damn. I love it so much. I, I, I watched it for the first time last uh, Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving last you did it year. On Viva. And I talked about it on Viva. And I just, the first time I saw it, I was just like, I think I was a little hungover and I was like just surrounded by Thanksgiving leftovers and I was just like sobbing my eyes out. I <laughs> uh, loved it. And I loved it <laughs> this time as well. This one has really sobbing grown on me. Out? Just sobbing I saw my this eyes in theaters. Out, Watching Man on Fire? Yeah, this movie's fucking emotional. Oh, it's wow. sweeping, dude. I would agree. I will. I don't. I don't find it as emotional as you do. But I. I. I have grown to really like this movie. I saw it in the theaters and didn't like it at all. Mm. But over the years, I've watched it multiple times and and have grown to really appreciate it. Um, kind of like I mean, basically, like I for a while I didn't like the late period Tony Scott like editing and production style. It's a music video. It looks like. But one. Uh, but I have come around to like appreciating it, appreciating it as a decision and like a feature, not a book. So that was the main thing that got in the way the first time I I watched this, um, and so I have grown to really love it. And also, it works very well to me now as like a flip side of the coin on revenge. Ooh. It's like it's like two sides of the same thing, you know. Huh. That's interesting. This I movie, hope we hear more about that. This movie is Denzel Washington's Batman. <laughs> And I that's was more gonna, Equalizer. That's I would the, say. He's got that too. Oh my god, he, I forgot about Equalizer. I like equalizer. that as well. You know, they just started shooting Equalizer three. Three. And I know. And Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning. Of yeah. course, because I looked Finally. up all the images of them reuniting, and yeah. I got all emotional about it. I think Dakota Fanning just brings the emotions straight out of me, and I love Denzel too. Of course, he's was, very good in this. I'm gonna fact check something they say at the very beginning of this movie. Oh, about the kidnapping. Mm-hmm. I was gonna do that before, but I forgot. Well, so this takes place in Colombia, and for my part, Columbia. this is my second least favorite uh, Tony Scott movie. Oh my god, after Travis. Tony, uh, Domino, after Domino, which I can't watch. Domino's okay. bad. I, I couldn't finish wow. Domino. You guys, uh, and I and I You're breaking uh, my heart here. I can't quite say that I hate this movie. There's parts that I hate about it because again, it is Tony Scott, and it and it is also the movie that it wants to be. It's not like it's a fuck up or anything like that, and yeah. that's a huge thing. It's not a mistake. And again, again, it has Denzel Washington and Christopher Walken in it. I mean, and Mickey Rourke. And, yeah, Mickey Rourke. Not enough. Not enough Rourke. Honestly, a lot of Mitchell is good. Not in it very much. Walken is great. And uh, uh, Mark Antony. Mark Antony, my my favorite actor of all time. I love him. Do you? He's a good actor. I really love him in Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, he has an interesting role in Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, so this movie takes place it's in really Columbia. Really good in the substitute. 
Yeah, the substitute. This movie takes place in Colombia, and uh, Denzel is it Washington. Mexico City. Is it, I thought it was Colombia. It is Mexico is it City Mexico because City? there's a tribute to. There's an ironic oh, tribute to right. Mexico that's City right. at it the is end Mexico of it. City. And they yeah. shot it on location there. Let's point it out that the before we even get the movie started, we get a title card that says, "In Latin America, there is one kidnapping every sixty seconds." Is that true? I'm trying to figure I don't it know out. If it's true. But I feel like they worded it in such a way that it's really hard to like. It's probably check not really true. Statistic wise. Um, Latin America is it's, it's a big place. Bulk, the bulk right. of the hemisphere. Latin America is home to about eight percent of the world's population, and has about one third of its homicides, mm. which I feel like is a lot. But also, Latin America is not one place. An average. It's everything homicide, south of America. I can't, of the United States. I can't like check one kidnapping every sixty minutes, and then seventy percent of those kidnappings. Die like those kidnappings victim die. That's a, that, it's hard. That's they like, made it. They did that on purpose. That's a stupid factoid for so many reasons. A, that's like saying in Asia, like oh wow, in a, like any statistic in a, that's a fucking huge place. Latin America is huge. It's Mexico on down to the basically to Antarctica. It's like all the way down. Antarctica and, is and Latin again, America. And again, this is this is like postulating like Mexico, Mexico, Mexico City in particular as being like this nightmare zone. Well, I don't, I don't know. I've never that's, been there. That's probably a stupid thing to do, but I feel like the reason it's there, whether or not it's accurate or even like appropriate, is that they need the audience to understand why this situation even makes sense. Like right. why you would hire a bodyguard to take your daughter to school just because you live in Mexico City and are rich. I think that's true. But they hit they hit that beat a lot in this movie, and it also does remind me of the beginning of Cobra, right? Where, uh, the cra- crabs of disease. America, a nun is killed every three minutes. There's a rape every half second. Uh, a kid gets punched in the face every nine minutes. Usually by me. Usually by me. <laughs> he really. He gets oh his God. numbers. He, he gets his numbers up. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so, so that's giving you the idea that we're in. We're in. Uh, there Mexico had to be, City, there had to be a better way to uh, to express that without making it seem like it's like the way that your Republican uncle thinks that it's Seattle is now. It's definitely it's using a scare like a scare tactic to be like, well, fuck. Now we're here and in, in, in like it should have it should have been like there's a kidnapping every sixty seconds in Latin America and these people wanted to defund the police. Yeah, you know, it's like it's that kind <laughs> of shit. You wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> but later on. Uh, just, just to give you an idea, like they already, they already say, like during this whole, like we need to interview another bodyguard, hopefully a drunk one for reasons. But someone, another person says there were 24 kidnappings in Mexico City in the last six days. Like the kidnappings are out of control. Out of control. In Mexico City, the biggest city in Send North America. Send a note America. to the milkman. No more cheese. <laughs> And I just, you know, like that's annoying to me because, like, you can also say that in a uh, in the United States, there's a murder every thirty minutes, which is also true. And like, but it's it sounds a, but scary. It's a, it is scary, and it's a huge play. It's 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 nonsense. But it sounds. Scary. And, I, and I am scared. Yeah, especially so, scared for Dakota Fanning. And that's the nicest, storytelling, smartest lady of the all time. The most precocious little child. The most precocious. Child. I okay, so I gosh, I love her, and I thought she was so so cute, but also like every time she talked, it was very cringy. <laughs> I was just like, no, you don't talk like that. Stop it. But you're so cute. But God damn it, you're not like. like how she, old are you? Remember when she had to make sure Sean Penn could still be her dad? Oh, oh, he was Sam. He was Sam. I mean, you can't deny it. <laughs> Who was that guy? Sam. <laughs> He's Sam. <laughs> uh, oh, man. 
But Dakota, of course, Dakota Fanning's good in this. I think everybody, I think everybody's good. Everyone is my, great. My main complaint with this movie is Mr. Tony Scott himself. I feel oh, like. Oh man, I love the way he put this movie together. It's exactly what he wants it to be. Yeah. Oh, it is 100 percent what he wants it to be. I we are we are in disagreement over that. I love. Though. I lo- like. It, you know what? It, it was jarring when I first saw it, like the subtitles flying all over the screen, all the blippy edits <sighs> and stuff like that. But I mean. Nobody makes movies that look like this. No. Like, no, people could try, and they can't do it. Oliver Stone was a kind of a, a similar even, sort even of he vibe. he doesn't do it the same way. No. Nobody's making movies that look like this and are structured this way. And are, I mean, like, he organizes it, all this in his head. It's a fucking dramatic epic, like I said before, just, like, sweeping emotional. And you also fucking get all operatic, the man. Um, yeah, and you get the badass, like... There's there's the acts that happen in this movie, and once you hit the act where Denzel is like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill them," and the 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 wife's like, "Kill them all." He has he has Woo! he has this great line where like it's oh, that line, but he goes like, "I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill everyone who was involved in yeah. it. I'm gonna kill anybody who profited from it. I'm gonna kill anyone who opens their eyes at me." And she's just like, "Kill them. Kill you them kill all. them all." I'm gonna kill one thirtieth of Mexico City. There's a murder and in I Mexico City it. every 15 <laughs> seconds, and, it's and it's from, most of them are from me. <laughs> there's oh, a man. there's a part in this movie like okay, so there's the there's two parts of this movie, and there's the the first half where Denzel and uh, Dakota. They're Dakota bonding. is helping. This Denzel movie's two and a half hours long. That's two and a fucking half hours. <laughs> I really don't like this movie. Uh, but the, in the first half, it's Denzel and Dakota Fanning, and Dakota Fanning is helping him rediscover what it means to be a human being. And he's helping her learn how to swim. And he's helping better, her learn faster, how to stronger. swim. And her name She's, is her name is Pita. Short for Lupita. Lupita. And her parents are Rada Mitchell and Mark Antony, and he is like, uh, he owns like a car manufacturing company or something like that. And they're financially like not doing so great, which is why they're hiring PTSD drunk. Uh, he's like a Denzel f- he's like a father a in a Jane Austen book where he has all the auspices of wealth but is dead broke and desperate. Yes, but he lives in a mansion. And there's like a, there's even the scene where they're like interviewing Denzel and they're like, okay, so you've got this. You know, they do the how badass is he resume scene where it's like, here's yeah. all the shit you've been into. And he's like, why are you taking this job? And he's like, well, I'm a drunk. I drink. I'm and drunk like, right now. Okay, but you know, watch it with the drinking. <laughs> Or or maybe don't. Or maybe don't. Um, and he gets recommended for the job by Christopher Walken, his who is BFF his ex, ex-CIA Walken. handler BFF, who lives in Mexico City with his like with his wife his and his young family and his very young I family. I love Christopher Walken in this because you keep expecting him to be bad at some point or like betray or like do something, right. and he's just like a chill fucking supportive dude. Yeah. And there's a scene later where him and uh, Denzel are like drunk like uh Peta's parents are out of town and so Dakota Fanning's just like at the dinner table with them like outside and everyone's just drinking and Denzel Washington and Christopher Walken are like talking about how they first met and like telling telling the six-year-old just like yeah and then we were on this job together they're like (laughs) telling her it's very very cute yeah Christopher Walken brings out the best and he does get the best line in the whole movie Oh, oh yeah. Where he's like, a man, a man could be an artist at anything. Creasy's art, Creasy's art is death. death. It's about to paint his masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That's in the trailers, and I, like I remember seeing the trailers for this, going like, oh yeah, hook that shit to my veins. Oh man. 
I I often like this kind of stuff, but in this movie, it really rubs me the wrong way. Like something about the, the maybe, and maybe it has to do with Tony Scott's competence level. Because oh. maybe if this was like a crummy canon movie from the eighties, well, by, that the original by, is one. Yeah, if it was like Michael Winner was directing this, oh, I could yeah. be like, this is all very silly, and I'm like, but this is a very well made movie with good actors, and they're saying the shit that I hate. It's so it's self written by Brian Helgeland and so written stylish. By Brian fucking Helgeland. Yeah, the guy who wrote a Knight's Tale, Mystic River, and L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential, one of the greatest yeah, adapted scripts movie. of all time. And I love a Knight's Tale. I love I, I, a Knight's Tale, and that's that. why we're friends. <laughs> there, there, that's it, that's it. it. It all adds up. <laughs> I'm a huge fan only, of a Knight's Tale. Only thing us together. I like a Knight's Tale more than L.A. Confidential. What about Mystic River? Uh, you don't have to say. There are like things that. about that movie that I like and don't like. Yeah. Tim Robbins' performance is the only thing you like about that movie, <laughs> and his height. I don't tend to like a lot of the acting in Mystic River, but I do think that narratively it's really sturdy, and I love the Laura Linney heel turn at the end. Oh, mm. the Lady Macbeth, where she's like. She said, my daddy had a heart so big. I mean, that shit is fucking awesome. Is that my daughter? Is that my daughter in there? Is that my daughter? But it's, it's not his daughter is going to be taken away by the courts. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that's a different, that's a different uh, Sean Penn daughter. Uh, hold on. Uh, but anyways, yeah, the, and then this, and so of course that's the first half, and she does pierce his exterior. Oh, and when Denzel's not like having fun, get having the best drawn out of him by Christopher Walken, who's who is a very at, at his most amiable in this. He's like yeah. a uh, obviously had a hellish earlier life as a, now some sort of killy kind of guy. He, he is it. very much. You can retired. tell he deserves it. I'm just trying to enjoy myself, you know. He's got a life fever, and the, the only prescription is Mexico City. I got a fever, and the only prescription is. Uh, <laughs> Um, but like when he's not, that, when that's not happening and he's not driving Dakota Fanning around, he is like, getting hammered drunk Shit in his hammered. bedroom, trying to like cock, trying to basically playing with guns. He tries to kill himself, and flirting with point. the idea of killing himself. Yeah. But the and gun doesn't go off. At one point, yeah, you see one night where he, the, the first night that he's there, he's guzzling and he's playing with his gun. He keeps on trying to flick the bullet at and like catch it. Can't catch the bullet. I don't know what this, what this means. He's just testing his reaction, testing time. his reflexes, and yeah. you're like, dude, the booze isn't helping. But he, I'm sure he knows that. Uh, but then the next night, he's uh, even more bummed out. This guy is very bummed, and he's doing this again. And then at a certain point, and this is all in this crazily Tony Scott, flashy, blurry melange of editing techniques and stuff. Yeah. And at a certain point, he does put t- like put, have the bullet in the gun and pull the trigger, and it clicks. And then he talks to Christopher Walken about it, and it's like a misfire and fate sort yeah. of thing. But I do, did also think it would have been very funny if they hired this guy, and just the second day he was there, he blew his, his brains out. <laughs> well, that didn't go well. That suck. There's uh, a I point. I guess we got to find another guy. <laughs> there's a point where the mom is like telling Denzel, like, you know, she wants to be your friend. Like, you should be nice to my daughter. And he's my like, my little daughter wants well, to be your you, friend. Did you hire? Did you hire me to be a friend? Are you paying me to be a friend, or are you paying me to be a bodyguard? And so we can we can tell he's very resistant to opening up and opening up and his heart. I like how they don't really give us a full backstory on like no, what we just know he, he's, he's fucked up. We don't need the backstory. He's, no, a, he's a hardened that's what I like dude. About it. Yeah, exactly. One of the first lines in the movie is Christopher Walken going, "You think God will forgive us for what we've done?" No. <laughs> Answers and, no. Uh, no. <laughs> and so like, okay, they did bad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so we we could only assume. Yeah. <laughs> bad and stuff. Sh- eventually they they form a connection and she's on the swim team and she her react her like reaction to the gun going off isn't fast enough. So he trains her to uh the the sound of the the sound of the bullet will set you free or something like yeah. that. 
Um, which is interesting because later the bullet will set him free oh in his revenge. God, right. And eventually he like trains her. They get kind of this like kind of father daughter connection going on. Because her daughter's a, her, her dad, real dad, is a soy boy beta cuck. Oh, totally. <laughs> he let's face it. He's dealing with a bunch of shit, and he doesn't. He's not. He's not thinking. His straight. empire is collapsing. His hint, empire hint. is collapsing. Yeah. And so they go out of town and she has a swim meet and she ends up winning and it's very, very sweet. She runs up and like jumps into his arms and gives him a hug and he's like smiling and you can tell that like, you they know, do a, he like, loves They do her. a freeze frame where you know it's like, oh, now they love each other forever. She taught him how to shit, live again. Shit's, gonna about, mm, shit's about to pop creasy. off. Creasy. She taught Creasy. Pretty Creasy. Oh, pretty, she, creasy. <laughs> pretty Creasy. Um, she also, uh, <laughs> she has a stuffed bear that she calls Creasy Bear. Mm-hmm. Creasy Bear, yeah, which I love. Cute. So cute, very cute. She uh, loves this guy. And then the inevitable happens, and the and uh, there's an attempt to kidnap her, and it totally succeeds. And they well, shoot the shit out of Denzel Washington. Every th- Sixty seconds. Yeah. In oh, and Latin it's because America. she's at her piano recital. She doesn't want to play piano. She just wants to swim. And so Denzel was like, "Well, you just got to keep burping. If you can make yourself burp, just burp during the piano recital, yeah. and no one will want to like teach you or your violin or whatever." She's burping up a storm. And then she comes out, and then all all of a sudden, like this cop car pulls up yeah. with these two cops, and then. A bunch of shit goes down. I don't There's really a know the order of Denzel everything. Denzel gets but pretty badly wounded. Very bad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dakota they, Fanning runs over to him and is like screaming and crying. She does really, she does a really amazing, she was a great little kid actor. Like so, she yeah, did she a was fuck, very good. Her fucking freak outs were very realistic and yeah. I think that's a lot of the reason this was it's so like emotionally War, War of the Worlds. For me. Yeah, <laughs> she was so good in movies that people thought, that, that, that people thought it was a problem. Like in, especially in War of the Worlds where like, <laughs> like is she okay? She's, she's she know drunk. The, like, does she know her. the world's not ending? Because she would have to be like terrified with the world ending and World of the Worlds and people were like, this is a, well, a girl being traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, I think she might be It's like that kid at the end of the rehearsal. Oh, yeah. you guys haven't watched that yet. Uh, no. Oh, gotta watch that show. Anyway, uh, yeah, and they get away with the girl. They get the girl. Denzel's pretty screaming. badly wounded. And uh, then what happens? Oh, he shoots the two cops though. Yes, he, he does shoot the, the two cops. And then, and then for a brief period of time, so he's basically they basically in a coma for a little while, yeah. for a few days. They put him into a dog hospital because one of the one of the cops. Um, is is he a cop, Giancarlo Giannini? I think here? they're reporters. He's a reporter, right? Well, she, well, no, the, she's a cop. She's a cop. Okay. Well, well, like basically, most of the cops are corrupt, but one of them is not corrupt enough to like take him out of the regular hospital and put him in a dog hospital because yeah. he thinks that the cops are going to come try to kill him. Yeah. Because the cops are, of course, in on it. And, and, uh, and he and like he and has like an, pinned on he it has for a little an on while. and off affair with the with the cop uh, Rachel Ticketon Rachel Ticketon from, from, from Total Recall Total Recall and Connor and she's like his one source that bitch. helps like sleazy and athletic find all the information that he needs so he's the she is the one that he can call and be like okay look into this number like look this up or whatever that's yeah. that's his in yeah. But Christopher Walken's like visiting him in in the dog uh, hospital, and he's in a coma, and then and then the cops are kind of like trying to pin it on him, but that doesn't really work. Oh that, man, that during the whole play. shootout too, he has this dandelion in his co- in his yeah. little pocket oh, yeah. that she gave him. He comes back and finds it on the ground later on when he's retracing the steps. Yeah. But Christopher Walken's like, "Come on, Creasy, you, you gotta wake up. You gotta <laughs> come you gotta on. wake up to get your my revenge. best friend. Come on, you have to kill. It's just the one thing." That you do, you need to take a bomb and, and stick and it, put it in a guy's ass. Oh, put it in a guy's ass. You gotta put this on uncomfortable <laughs> metal in the guy's ass. I love ass. that scene. I because me too, me too. because uh, it's just so absurd and so mean and 
First, I like that he cuts the guy's fingers off and uh, cauterizes them with a cigarette lighter. While in the hey, car. Mickey plays in the background. That's fucking awesome. But it also like as he as he's kill as you know the the bomb the countdown timer on the bomb is ticking down. The guy's like, "Give me one last wish, please." And he's like, "A last wish? I wish you had <laughs> more, more time." Denzel <laughs> Washington. So good. Denzel he's Washington is one of the greatest <laughs> actors in the history of the world, and he puts a bomb in a guy's ass. It's in this so movie. good. I can't cool. forgive it. I, I think it's like cool. It. I think, I, think it's, it's I think it's nasty and gross. It is and nasty stupid and gross. And I don't well, like it. I'm sorry to tell you that there's something in your ass right now. Oh, Emily. We knew you didn't like this movie, so we wanted to show you just how fun. What is it? It's just a balloon. <laughs> it's just a balloon. <laughs> a balloon? <laughs> Full of heroin. It's a noise Full maker. of heroin? <laughs> and we want you to pull that balloon out, do the heroin, and watch the movie yeah. again. Chill out a little bit. <laughs> Come on. But like, basically, I don't like this first half of the movie where it's Denzel and Dakota Fanning. Like, This just goes on too long. Why? Because you have no heart? Because I have no heart. Okay. Um, I, 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 I find it to be very corny and cliched and... Uh, I like how stripped down and, and it, it is. It's just like it's just this like very simple story of their relationship. Like it doesn't need a lot of nuance. No, it's not. It's, it just goes on too long. I mean, I know you have to do all these sorts of things, but it just kind of goes on and I on. Mean, and really on. I feel movie. like you could do it, it shorter, but I I like I like that he's leaning into the operatic of it. Yeah, you know, I like that he's just like I'm gonna make a melodrama out of this. Yeah. You know? But I like that part more than I like the second half where Denzel go, you don't becomes, like the, becomes the man on fire, where he becomes man on fire. And in that point, that's when the editing stuff really ramps up. Oh, shit. And, uh, I love all that shit. I love the scene where he goes, he gets a fucking RPG and just like knocks on these people's door and is like, hey, I need to use your window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you got to love anytime there's an RPG in a movie. He nukes those guys. I call with it a RPG. bazooka. I know it's not technically a bazooka, but I call all yeah, things that look like that bazookas. Bazooka's different. Uh, and, or like the scene in the nightclub where he causes the the ruckus at the dude, nightclub. Dude, when he like dresses up like a, like all thuggish and stuff, and yeah. you're like, that's yeah. not how Denzel dresses. It's pretty funny. I know he's he like dresses like Easy E in 1987. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's no scene of him like getting ready for this, but you can imagine him like. Oh, yeah. I just love how he I'm storms sure into this, this cartel controlled like- nightclub and is like goes just active shooter mode, just starts firing into the air and causes a stampede. I thought like, it would have been. I thought it would have been really funny. Now. He was yeah. just waiting for something. I think if you're gonna go for it with this sort of movie, you should go for it because he's like on a kill crazy rampage he's just killing everyone and torturing everyone and stuff at this point i thought he should have just blown up that whole club full of people too just like <laughs> fuck it let's just he fucking does kill set it on fire he doesn't have anything but yeah, all the but it shows all the people outside like cheering for it yeah, they're yeah. like the party continues we love it but he should kill all those people just um, innocent it's people good, it's good whoever. to mention at this point uh we haven't even talked about the drop basically. So before Creasy wakes up, there is uh, they a, try to do a ransom they try drop. to do a ransom drop, and it goes wrong because someone steals. We're we're led to believe someone steals the money, and then uh, they let the parents know that they killed the girl. So yes. Creasy during when he wakes up is under the impression that Dakota Fanning is dead. Mm-hmm. That is why he goes on this revenge. It's not it's not just because like yeah. she was kidnapped. She is now for all intents and purposes dead. Dead. Yeah. So so, so it's pure it's pure righteous vengeance. So to him he has nothing yeah, nothing future. to lose. Nothing to lose. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's like, "Yeah, I'm just going to go uh ape shit on their asses. This is an, another <laughs> great. Is the term. This is another great Christopher Walken, and he's talking to the cops. He'll deliver more justice in a weekend than ten years of your courts and tribunals. Hmm. What a good BFF, though. So supportive. 
He's that, and that's all he does. Like he he's doesn't. So supportive. He doesn't die later on. There's no or heel turn. He's just that he could be a ghost. Yeah, he's he could just, be a voice in in like Denzel's head or something. He's just like that. Denzel's hype man, and yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, but this is the kind of shit that I, I like. These these revenge movies always are at the precipice of annoying me. It depends on how well they're done because this sort of sentiment he'll deliver more justice in a weekend than ten years of your stupid fucking laws and stuff. What we need is a lunatic drunk with a gun to to take care of these problems. They're kind of just reveling in the in like everybody's fully evil and we're reveling in their pain and torture and stuff like that. I think it's look annoying. at you look at you judging this movie for being morally <laughs> problematic for you. It is. Yeah. It, not, this is not just so a thing morally. that doesn't occur to me ever when I watch these things. It's, it's like it's ah, go a, for it. It's when a Kill movie is is when I don't like a movie when this stuff bothers okay, me because okay. there's obviously tons of movies like this that, where I like oh, the movie. So when, and I'm like, so when I don't you give realize it bothers you, you're like something's wrong. It just yes. This is like fine. my thing where I, I get really hung People up on like weird details like. when I'm bored. Exactly. It's you me know, being yeah. hung up on because I, I I don't like the editing that Tony Scott does. I think it's too long and and I yeah. I agree. I think all this stuff is on purpose. It's supposed to be uh, yeah. It's sure. supposed to be a it's slow hang. Slow hang and then stylish stylistically chaotic towards the revenge part, which is where the like music video editing etc. Like yeah. comes into play. And that stylistic chaoticness is reflecting his, his inner turmoil and all this. And it's it's all uh, completely on purpose. But I don't like it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, what can you do? And that's well within your right. And so, like, as now, an American citizen, and, and so while I'm watching this two and a half hour, like, painful slog, I'm, I'm also going like, "Hey, fuck you with this bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> You're also getting mad. I mean, I, but keep in mind, like, one of my favorite movies that I that I watch at least once a year is Zero Dark Thirty, which is one of the more amoral movies out there. That it at least can be interpreted oh, that like way. That? It can be. Well, I totally disagree. Depends on that. how you watch it. But there's plenty of other ones. That's just the one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, The Last Boy Scout. Well, yes. Come on. I mean, for sure. I, I just I've gave that fucking five juds and shit like that, and that's pretty repellent yeah. in a lot of ways. So I'm not coming. I'm not not from my own perspective that I'm like morally superior to this movie. It's just stuff that I get hung up on when I'm trying to make it through right, this right. fucking thing. Uh, but yeah, we're now we're in the second half now, and that's where you get the fingers, the finger cutting off scene. So oh, good, yeah. so long. So he duct tapes this guy's he he gets into this guy's car, and he's someone who has to deal with the kidnapping or the murder. He's trying to find out like who actually killed, who was the person who actually killed yeah. Dakota Fanning. Yeah, yeah. So he's talking to this guy. He duct tape. He knocks him out, and then he duct tapes this guy's hands to the steering wheel in front of him, and he is very methodical, very calm, and he's just like, I'm going to cut off your fingers one by one, and this is for the cauterizing, which yeah, is he's, like, he's like, he's if like you I not, care about you not bleeding out through your it's fingers. It's the car, the car uh, the lighter. Cigarette the cigarette lighter. He's like, if you are not honest and faithful to me, you will suffer much more than you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And he go the radio's on in the background. It does the Spanish uh, "Hey Mickey" song, which yeah. I fucking love, <laughs> love, the, love, love. The music also reflects the kind of pan- like uh, panic attack nature of the <laughs> editing too, because yeah. it'll just switch from song to song, yeah, and not in a natural sort of way. Like, well, now it's time for another. It'll and just like be a like, very and now another song, a playing. very unnerving, like not. It doesn't match the tone. It doesn't match the tone in that it's not like a scary foreboding song. It's like a upbeat, like fucking. I've lost my mind. Now I'm gonna kill everyone. He does this uh, in Domino thing. a lot too. Just song to song to song that to song. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the, and combi- that combined with the uh, like <clears throat> visual style of it is like Tony. I can have a panic attack on my own time. Hey, hey Tony, hold on. Here. I, I don't need to pay. To, I don't need to pay money <laughs> to experience. <laughs> so he cuts off anxiety. this guy's fingers. Most of them. Most of them. 
and, and then, then the guy finally tells him what he wants to hear. And then he like blows up his car. I mean, the whole part of this second half is going to one person to another, torturing them, extracting information that leads to the next person, and and then torturing that person. And then uh, at a certain point, it reaches a yeah. And he pushes it, he so he get, cuts this guy's fingers all off. And then, uh, and the guy's like, "Oh, okay, thank God that's over with." He's like, "Yeah, now I just blows his brains out," and then awesome. pushes the car off. And this is where you do get a really cool shot where the car is slides off a cliff, yeah, and it flips over. And I think there might be a Nine Inch Nails song playing at this point. <laughs> There's a lot of that kind of music. And the, but the great. car, but the car is is top down. Is the, the yeah, top yeah. of the car pointed towards the ground in slow motion? It's it's Explodes. it's pretty cool. Good stuff. And there's a lot of like Denzel walking in slow motion while shit's exploding and yeah. this fire because he's the man on fire. He is the titular fireman. He's fully on fire at this yeah. point. He's at like ten out of ten as far as being on fire is concerned. Yes. It's a four alarm. Yes. It's great. Uh, he goes yeah. into a nightclub, nearly kills everybody. He blows up the whole nightclub afterwards, kills everyone inside. He finds the vo- he finally tracks down like the voice, the guy on the other end who believe he believes is responsible the for, singer. for killing him for killing PETA. Yes. But it turns out that Pete is not dead. They never hurt her. And this is after he puts the bomb up the guy's butt. After he puts the bomb on the guy's ass, which is really funny to me. Uh, and they're going to try to do another exchange. But because the problem is not that they want money now. They want Denzel because Denzel's been chewing up their guys left and right. So the exchange is Denzel for the girl. Her life for your life. And it also turns out that uh, Mark Anthony was the one who set up the whole f- kidnapping. It was supposed to be a phony kidnapping, and he was going to use it to get and keep the ransom money to basically keep his lifestyle afloat. And there's a really good scene where Rada Mitchell learns this, too, and it's like, you motherfucker, and <laughs> tears after Mark Anthony. <laughs> Y'all motherfucker! Uh, Rada Mitchell's doing a terrible... Well, actually, we couldn't figure really out if... I think she's doing that much We of couldn't figure out if she's doing a terrible southern accent or it's just a generic bad American accent. I think Because she's an Australian lady. It's a little of column A and a little of column but B. But sometimes she'll just be like, bye! You know, like, <laughs> it'll... <laughs> You gotta come back, and you're like, "Whoa, what was that?" Uh, Just a tiny bit pretty, of Georgia. She was pretty hot for a little while there. Ryder Mitchell, yeah, yeah she, she was, was a okay. popular actress for a little while. She had a Woody. She had a Woody. She was in, in a there. Woody one. Yeah, that was good. I think she was in a Spielberg. Was she not? I don't remember. Uh, and then, so that 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 basically sets up the finale where Denzel is gonna have to go in and uh, and trade his life for Dakota Fanning. Yeah, which he does. He sure does. This uh, has a very similar ending to Revenge. Well, it's like the opposite. Right, I'm trying to remember how the revenge ends. Well, Revenge ends when he gets oh, to the combat and she dies. <laughs> That's the thing I like about this movie <laughs> too is that like this this movie is like a back it's like a like a B-side of Revenge. He's like sort of going over similar ground in a similar place with similar themes. With a similar character. It's unmistakably like a, a companion piece to Revenge. Yeah. And of course, I liked Revenge a hell of a lot more. Because sure. his styles had changed quite a bit. Right. but and they're, both, you, they're both unmistakably Tony Scott movies, but at this point, but I, think, I mean... But uh, the version of Revenge that you watched is much closer stylistically to this than it was when it originally came out. Yeah. It changed a lot of that. But it's not anything It's like not this. quite as heavy, but it's closer. There, there, There is stuff... And he doesn't do this all the time in it. it, it the, the real busy stuff, the real messed with stuff, is usually interstitials. Yeah. So when he'll shoot a scene, it'll kind of settle back into just like regular shots yeah. of. But like between those things, you'll get 
like camera shaking uh-huh. and and it looks like a garbage music video or something like that. You know, <laughs> like sure, like uh, Shirley Manson's gonna be in there talking. He about does a stupid lot of girl. He does a lot of blurred focus. He does a lot of double exposures. Whatever. Do you know what technique it is where the thing goes out of focus and then flashes? And then I mean, flash, flash, I don't know what you flash, call that, that but flashes. I mean, it's just a flash. I'm sure that's like a button <laughs> that you can push on Final Cut now or something like that now. But at the time, they did have to do it with film. Which they may have done it in camera. Easy. I mean, this was 2004. I really don't know. Yeah. But it's just tons and tons of it. And then it kind of like builds like towards Who shot Spike. this? John Matheson? Uh, I don't know, but we'll it's his it usual editor. Uh, lots and lots of editing in it. You got to give it that. That's for sure. Now that's for sure. That's for damn sure. Where are we at now? We're basically we're, we're the, about to go. He's about to change exchange his uh, his life for for pitas. Aww. Aww. Aww, pita. Pizza. <laughs> Pizza. Pizza. Oh my god! What is this <laughs> crunchy wafer I'm eating? Pita the Hut. Pizza. Pizza. Um, Pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's also a lot of music uh, done by the lady from Dead Can Dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sings that song. She sings the song that's also in Gladiator. It's like the same song that's in that uh, Tony Scott or that Ridley Scott uses in Gloria uh, in Gladiator. It's mm-hmm. the same lady. I can't remember her name, but I don't think I've ever seen Gladiator. Yeah, I would. I would avoid it. <laughs> really? Wasn't it a? Don't like it. We did a whole Patreon. We on did Gladiator. it on Patreon. It is uh, lots of it has not aged well, particularly visually. He uses a lot of junk filters in it and stuff like that. Yeah, and it looks bad. Yep. Um, but it's the same song from Gladiator, so I don't know if uh, Ridley just had that had that property and Tony it's borrowed it from him. It's just his favorite song. How, how that works it's or the brother's like favorite song. But that lady sings those songs, and I probably pointed this out in the Gladiator episode. She sings those songs in uh, her own language that she invented. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. Good, good for, for her. her. Good, good for, for her. her. Yo, you wrote your own language for this song? Good for you. That's good great. for her. Keep it up. Um. Yes, and and that song is really blurring a lot. I also I also wanted to point out that in some ways this movie is gunning for my own heart because there's a song from Linda Ronstadt called Blue Bayou that mm-hmm. plays throughout the whole thing. Denzel's kind of obsessed with it. He even quotes it. He's like, "You'll find me on the Blue Bayou later on," and I'm a noted statistician. Oh. So like, I, I should like this movie more. <laughs> like lots and lots of. Ronstadt I was like, "What's a statistician?" I'm a statistician. <laughs> I, I get you gotta pump those stats. Um. And that's and and you get little snippets of that because now the music's cycling a lot now, and and they really make a meal of this scene where Denzel goes to exchange his his life for her life like over this overpass. Uh, this is I kind of liked this. This was like the closest that this whole combination of style, stylistic elements, and like and extreme emotionality like worked for me. At the very end, yeah. did you get choked up a little bit? No, not really, but I could see it. I was none, of, none of this affects me in any sort of <laughs> way. I was full-blown crying. <laughs> I don't find her, char- her her character is implausible. Is like a caricature movie kid. Yeah. You know, like a, the way the way that she talks and stuff, and his character. <laughs> his character put a bomb up a guy's butt. Yeah, it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's gross. Travis, it's, it's cool. Gross, Den- it's gross, Creasy. <laughs> Creasy. Um, but yeah, he like there's this slow, and he's been shot at this point, so they actually. Is actually not quite as big a deal because he's probably gonna die. He does die. Yeah, I mean he basically dies once he gets inside the car from his from prior injuries. And I wanted to point out that this ends very much the way that Twenty Four, a, a season of Twenty Four, <laughs> the last season of Twenty Four with Jack Bauer in it, and he's not injured at all. He gets into the helicopter with the Russians after trading his life for uh, for Chloe's life. Yeah, and he's just <laughs> going to be tortured. For Forever. the rest, of, for for yeah. and for the, they're gonna keep him alive for the end of his days to be tortured unremittingly. 
Because Jack Bauer is more of a badass than this creasy guy who's <laughs> a coward and he dies in the car as soon as he gets in. Did you guys talk about how he knew for sure that she was alive because she had, he asked what the bear was called? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Good stuff. Creasy that's bear. Right. I am a professional. Um, I heard there was an alternate ending to this where he doesn't die. That may be true. And he faces, and I don't know if it was ever shot or if it was just like written where he ends up like actually facing off confronting the voice or whatever. Oh God, that would have been terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you need that. I like the way that it I ends. I like the way it ends too. It's very sad. But also it's like, I hope she, well I know her, well I guess her dad is dead now. Yeah, oh yeah, we, we talked we about did. how he leaves her, leaves him a gun, right? Yeah. Puts a gun down, leaves the room. Yeah, yeah. and then you hear a shot. It's like, yeah. Oh. But yeah, her, mom, was... her mom seems to really love her, so I just hope I hope she has a great future. This her movie. mom just, <laughs> her mom just throws her away. Work. You can keep her. <laughs> I'm done with this. At, at one point, like Denzel does call her up when he finds out that she's still alive, and he goes, oh, Rada, your daughter's still alive. And she goes, I'm so tired. <laughs> she's just sick of the whole thing. But, of course, she comes around and grabs her daughter her. up and stuff. I would. I thought it would have been funny if Mark Antony just like shot the gun into the ceiling and then just jumped over the fence and ran away. That's what I would have done. Like, that fuck sounds that. like something he would do too. Absolutely. Because he's fucking he's a coward. coward. Why is he doing the right thing now? All of I a mean, sudden? for all we know, we never saw a body. Uh, we, do we? Maybe we don't. We don't, don't see know. a body. Man on fire too. We just hear the shot and that's Tony all, Scott that's walks all for into him. the whiteboard. Man on fire is dollar sign. Mickey Rourke's also Man's in this movie. Man's on fire. Yeah. Mickey Rourke's also in this. He's movie. the he's the guy who like sets up the fa- the phony kidnapping. Yeah, he's not in it enough. He's he's in it for a solid like three minutes. I mean of that time. that may be because nobody wants to work with Mickey Rourke. <laughs> or they didn't give him a chihuahua in this one, yeah. so he was well, like his, his parakeet or whatever. It wasn't allowed to come to the set. <laughs> There's birds on the set. Well, yeah, but they might not be his own. Do we bird. talk about yeah, the birds? He needs though? to have his own. We could talk about the birds. Sure. Uh, there's birds. There's birds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, there's no, there's. Oh well, there's a very like cheesy like metaphorical thing where where Denzel Washington like tries to free, let the bird out of the cage that's in his room free that bird. he's now renting, and the bird doesn't really want to leave and. I don't fucking know. Get the fuck out of here. I like I like all this all this like corny shit really really works for me and just how this movie is structured as like a like a epic melodrama, all the highs and lows and then and then all of a sudden plummets into this just like fucked up depraved (laughs) revenge shit. I I just fucking love it. I think it's great. (laughs) Truly. Truly, truly. I'm with you. But it's okay, Travis. Oh, good. You're fine. I'm fine? Yeah. Fine. I'll still talk to you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, yeah, quotes? Any lines? Any quotes? There's not a lot of I'm going to tear your family apart piece by piece. You hear me? Piece by piece. <laughs> nice. I don't care if I'm on this case, and I don't care if I'm in this army or not. I'm going to find out the truth. I guarantee you that. Sorry, that's courage under fire. <laughs> Forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. <laughs> Woo! That's Hell pretty yeah. good. I like that. Fuck yeah, dude. I did like that one. I think I might have cheered when he said that. Okay, my friend, it's off to the ne- it's off to the next life for you. I guarantee you won't be lonely. <laughs> That's when he kills another person. <laughs> Great. Uh, the countdown scene where he where he says <laughs> you need one last wish and then I wish and then he takes the wish. <laughs> what a dick! That's amazing. It's hilarious. Uh, the, the the police officers that uh, that Creasy shoots. Um, in the kidnap, in the daring daylight kidnapping, uh, someone says about them: they are known for being corrupt and now celebrated for being, being dead. dead. Mm. 
Uh, that's Giancarlo, Giancarlo Giannini, mm-hmm. whatever, who is from Hannibal. from Hannibal. And do you think that he's and actually- Casino Royale. Do you think, uh, this is a legit question, do you think that he is actually speaking Spanish, or they just had him speak Italian and they were like, nobody fucking cares? I don't know. Didn't occur to like, me. Just, just speak Italian. Nobody can Didn't occur to me at all. Shit. I feel like if he anybody knows, knows some Spanish. I feel like Spanish not, and Italian don't sound that similar. This is- I think they sound well to me. They really? sound very similar, and some people theorize that uh, that they are the same language. They're not. Nobody theorizes no, that's a, that. That's a, that's a joke from a Simpsons episode. Um, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> who, who are they? But if anybody knows whether whether Giancarlo what's his face is actually speaking Spanish or is speaking Italian in this, let us know. This seems like a thing that you thought was funny with Corey in the in the splice room. Oh, no, he really did, he did not think it was funny. I assure you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh yes, uh, and I and I did think that this is there's two things that are very funny about the about the ending of it, and one is that John Creasy passes away in the car before he can even get tortured at all, <laughs> and it says John W. Creasy, January fourth, nineteen fifty six, to September sixteenth, two thousand three, like he was a real person. The salt or of like the that. earth. <laughs> I don't believe it says that. No. But I also want to point out, after, after uh, two and a half fucking hours of depicting Mexico as the most depraved uh, culture cent- center of kidnappings and murder, and, like, everyone's evil and, like, deserves to be tortured, and he kills that whole club full of kids. <laughs> and then at the very end, at the very end, as if, like, in the, like a backhanded compliment, it says, a special thanks to Mac- Mexico City, a very special place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh man, good stuff. Ice cold. <laughs> that is ice cold. Uh, but also revenge. Also shot in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, and, and Tony know. like getting a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah. God bless him. Have you guys been to Mexico? I have, I have not. I haven't. I haven't been anywhere, but I just got my passport. So, world, watch out. Mexico is awesome, and it's really cheap. I heard there was That's twenty-four kidnappings over the last six days. So I, don't I heard know. there's one every sixty minutes. I went, and if, that, if the math checks out, then That's not great. great. I went and stayed in this tiny little beach village with like no internet for five days, and like all I could do was read and drink beer. And sit on the beach. Oh, it was, that sounds, that sounds, sounds like great. what I fucking, fucking need awesome. right now. Oh my god, it was so good. And the food is great. It's cheap. Yeah, you should go. Maybe I should just go to Mexico. Just you go think to you Mexico have a better chance? Do you think you have a better chance of getting taken in Mexico or in Paris? Paris. Taken. Yeah. Paris probably. Because like in Taken, he's like, you're gonna get kidnapped. You go to Paris, you're getting kidnapped. <laughs> let's th- let's talk about this and versus Taken because Taken <laughs> is like if you think that this I like is Taken bad, too. Taken is an enormous piece of garbage. <laughs> I, like I have fun either. with Taken. Well, I hate now that's a movie. I hate how it looks. I hate the way it's edited and shot. I hate the performances. I don't hate a lot of movies though. I, it's hard. It, you'd be hard pressed to find movies like more than like five movies that I actually don't don't mm-hmm. like. More than five <laughs> movies that you don't like in general. Pretty much. We wow. should figure that. Well, that I've seen. I feel like oh, okay. you know what I mean. Sure, that's amazing. Though. I don't know. I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating, but I feel, and I don't know if this makes makes everyone be like, "What the fuck? Why are we listening to her?" Uh, but but I feel like I don't hate a lot of movies yet in my life. That's too bad. I really enjoy hating movies. I mean, maybe I will eventually hate movies, but I get a lot of joy out of hating movies. <laughs> there's, I, there's, I get a, jo- I have, I get a lot a of joy out of loving them too. There's don't a get few me wrong. that I really don't like, but uh, can you think of any? Well, I really didn't like Domino when I just watched it. Wow. There you go. All right. Interesting. And I thought I was going to really like it because I, I like Richard Kelly and I like over-the-top shit like that, but it just is, it was, ooh, it was really, really misogynistic, like even for me. Mm. Even for me. Someone you felt, who, like, it, you who, felt who, like it was really misogynistic? Yeah, and I watched a bunch of fucked up horror movies and yeah. stuff like that, but I feel like it was just gross. Like, 
it was like, oh, you're going to act like a kind of a father figure and then also just like linger on her like midriff and shit. Like, <laughs> okay. you're making me feel disgusting. And then, I don't know, I can't really think of any movies that are like my go-to hate movies. 2001, Citizen Kane. Oh, she hates Citizen Kane. Seven Samurai. Yeah, bad. Hate Those Citizen are all bad. Kane. They make me mad. <laughs> Do we have any more lines for this? Uh, nah. No, that's Close it. it out? Yeah. Uh, well, we got to do ratings. All right. I'm going to give this four Juds. Interesting. I really thought you were going to go five for this one. No. That's coming later. Uh, Four Juds, I think this is a really sturdy movie. I've grown to really appreciate all of its uh, formal intricacy. Uh, it seems like Scott himself has a really heavy affection for this particular work. Like, he seems to have really found something new in his formal idiosyncrasy with this film. Nothing else really looks like it. Even his later works like Domino and Unstoppable go in different directions. They sort of branch off from here. One goes a little farther, one reels it in. But uh and then and then we'll talk about deja vu in a sec. But uh I, I just think that this like is a real interesting turning point in his career. Uh that's sort of, you know, if Enemy of the State was beginning, was the beginning of late stage Tony Scott, this is where his foot is firmly on the gas. Like, he is just like, here is how I want to start making my movies. Here is what I want them to look like. Here's what I want them to feel like and sound like. Let's go. Uh, so I appreciate it for that. And I think Denzel's awesome. I think the revenge stuff is great. Uh, it just, it, it, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, I'm going to give it, what, zero Douglases, maybe half a Douglas because of the, the implied sexual relationship between Rachel Ticketon and Giancarlo Giannini, which you don't see. You see, like, they've been... They've oh, had yeah, sex yeah, and they're yeah. sharing a cigarette. That's and why we're not talk. fucking anymore or yeah, something but like that, that. I mean, Zero Douglas is really... There's no and he's sex a solid this. 70 years older than she is, yeah. too. <laughs> There's another another sort of Zero Douglas movie. Uh, and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 butt bombs. Damn it. <laughs> butt bombs. Yeah. I mean, I had to. Uh... I'm gonna give it two. Uh, I don't like this movie, but it's it's another one of those cases. Like I can't go lower than that because it is the movie that it it's, is. This is what Tony's got wanted to do. It's not a fuck up or anything like that. I just disagree with this. I disagree I wish with him. You had more Juds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, but I really uh, I kind of hate this movie. I mean, I can't fully hate a movie that has Denzel and uh, Christopher Walken hanging out. Uh, I mean, and there's a good deal of that. Yeah. Denzel's good at it. I just think it's gross. And he puts a bomb up a guy's butt. I'm just like, ugh. I already don't like it. And then there's a bomb in a butt. And and just like in that scene where he's in the car cutting that guy's fingers off and there's blood all over the wall. And they're just in that car for so long. Yeah. We hear so many songs. I'm just like, get me out of Ah. <laughs> I can't stop. This is one of the ones where I can't. I saw it in the theater the first time, and I think I was with friends, so I couldn't leave then. And then right. I had to watch this for the podcast, and I was like, I really want to stop watching I, this movie. I love how completely different our our feelings about this movie are. That's what it's all about. Yeah, baby. That's what we're doing here. Pretty crazy. Uh, Zero Douglases, <laughs> of course. Uh, it's just not that kind of thing. And uh, and then I'm going to give it one, but. Uh, ten times, but played ten times. Linda Ronstadt song. Mm. Nice. Um, I'm giving this five Juds because Damn. I really, really love Good this job. movie. I'm proud of you, Emily. I think it's 
extremely stylish and emotionally hard hitting and just the way that it's like this sweeping like epic melodrama that just like kind of cyclones into the most fucked up revenge shit i was just like fucking kill them all denzel you know <laughs> giving it zero doggies because there's just nothing no. That's it's not, Douglas. That's not, I call it's Douglas. It, I'm calling it Dougies right now. And um <laughs> it Oh, it's very Douglas. Yeah, I get what you mean. Is saying. that like a Duberson? It's like a Duberson. <laughs> um and then I am giving it ten out of ten pendants of Saint Jude. Ooh. The oh. Saint of Lost Causes. Saint of Lost Causes. I was waiting for one of you to give it ten a ten out of ten cauterized fingers with a cigarette lighter, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, that was one of my options. Gross. What a gross guy. It's a gross guy. What a cool dude. <laughs> Radical. It's, <not> cool. <laughs> it's hella cool. So I, I stuck this bomb up your ass. Me, Denzel Washington. It's a little tiny bomb bomb. God. It's a bomb bomb. Well, <laughs> moving on to a movie that is technically my second favorite Tony Scott movie, but I would consider technically also his very best film. Mm. I think that this is his masterpiece, even though I enjoy Revenge more. Like, Revenge is, like, more of a, my, my, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Taking of Pelham, one, two, three. <laughs> it would be the great deja vu. You think you know what's coming? You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. It's a phenomenon known as deja vu. It's a phenomenon known as Deja Vu. You arrive at a place you've never been, but it feels familiar. But it feels familiar. You look into the face of a stranger, and you feel like you've known her all your life. Have we met? Yeah. Deja vu is believed by many to be a trick of the mind. But the truth is far more extraordinary. What if you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world, but you knew they'd never believe you? I try. A movie that I love every time I see it, and more and more, I think it's his vertigo. Mm. I think it's very vertigo y. It is just like. A, a really great script carried off with a lot of emotion and uh, style. And Denzel is amazing in it. The cast is great. It looks cool. Awesome premise. Really, really like cleverly articulated premise. I just love this movie. Can't get enough of it. I watched this movie the first time in the theaters and was really down on mm-hmm. Tony at this point because he had just done Man on Fire and Domino. Yeah. Boom, boom. And I was like, I don't even fucking like this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't like the. I That's kind of where I was at, at those the time. Movies. I hated those movies. Yeah. And then I saw this one and I was like, oh, I, that was fine. I liked it. Yeah. And I didn't really think much of it again. And then I watched it for this podcast. You hadn't seen it since the theater? I hadn't seen it since the theater. Oh, okay. Watched it for this podcast two weeks ago uh, because we, were, we pushed the recording back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, liked it a lot. Watched it again because it was two weeks ago because I don't like them to be that far away because I forget stuff. Uh-huh. Loved it. Yeah, it's great. Love nice. it. Love this movie. It is now my third favorite Tony Scott movie. I really like this movie too. And this is, I watched this movie for the very first time in my life, uh, February of this year when I was on a Denzel kick. Oh, yeah. And uh, so this is the second time I've seen it and the second time in one year. And it's an awesome fucking movie. It's just cool. It is fucking awesome, and it is worth it. It is lovable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the opposite of Man on Fire. Everybody is nice. 
Denzel is Denzel. Except for and, one guy. Well, so, <laughs> but he believes in what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like Jim Caviezel himself. Playing, he's playing Jim, himself. Jim Caviezel playing himself, yeah. by the way. Um, but this this is just one of those movies that doesn't have needless conflict uh, or anything like that. It's just everybody uh, is uh, feels like a person worth liking, worth rooting for. And then you add to that a fucking fascinating premise and a mm-hmm. bunch of exciting, awesome shit. I mean, it's a fucking awesome movie. It's great. It has so much to offer. And I find it, I find it kind of romantic too. Like I think the romance angle really works. It works, and uh, it's aware of its creepiness. I yep. think it's really creepy. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I think this movie does but it too. It does work, yeah. I think that it, it starts out creepy, but by the end, it rolls around. And like, also the way that it resolves itself, all of the sort of the creepy parts that happened that like drew him to the character all along, none of that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess in the when they're actually like talking and stuff, it does it. She is like. You're fucking creepy at first, yeah, and yeah. then and then they have oh, a connection. Yeah. I just kept thinking, like, <laughs> if I, I'm like every every time he like they're just watching her do her life or whatever, she's just like being hot and cute and sexy. And I was like, what if someone was just like watching me, and I'm just like, yeah. like fucking like eating ice cream, like double chinning, smoke smoking a Duberson, <laughs> watching Ninety Day Fiance. They're like, wow, I'm just fucking in love with her. But man. what oh if? But God. what I don't know what were, it is about her, man. But what if they were watching you like that after you were dead? That's even weirder. That's the thing is you're dead. <laughs> and now. then what? And then why are they doing they're, this? They're watching you after you've died in a horrifying. Uh, also, uh, but like, terrorist I, I mean, act. I specifically <laughs> mentioned that this is Tony Scott's Vertigo, partly because of the creepy factor. Like when you watch Vertigo. Oh it's yeah, like, Vertigo's creepy as fuck. It's like creepy as fuck. Right. You're right. So that's kind of what okay, I'm going for. Okay, you're right. Here. All right. Okay. But he's all. But Denzel's a lot. I mean, they, they just sort of. Denzel's a whole Denzel's hell of a lot more charming than that stupid more. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's a real creepazoid in that movie. Yeah, he is. And, and <laughs> yeah, this is a different kind. This of is thing. a different kind of thing. But uh, uh, but it, Denzel's a shockingly likable character in this. It's an interesting choice. I mean, I I think he's great in this. I I love him in this movie. There's there's pretty much nothing about this movie that I don't find pretty flawless. Like I I love it. I've grown was, to really, really think that this is like a almost a perfect film. I think there was maybe a couple seconds that I didn't like. <laughs> I th- I would say that this is this is easily the top in the top ten of its year. And might be in the top ten of the decade. Damn. Well, I can't wait to watch it uh, dozens more times to find out how I feel. I about watch it this in the at least once a year. Yeah. Because I, I got to tell you, just watching it ten days after watching it the last time, I've enjoyed it more. Yeah. Like that's a hell of a thing to not be burned out on it in the slightest and be like even more into it. It also like, works as a post nine eleven and a post Katrina movie. It, Definitely it, post Katrina. It is on both of those wrapped into yeah, one. Deliberately both, yeah. Because it, it is shot in New Orleans. New Orleans. It was I, an, as I like originally to call it. going to be shot, what, in New Jersey or something? Oh, I don't know. I think I read it was supposed to be shot in New Jersey, and I think Denzel kind of was like, let's bring this to New Orleans. Good tax breaks that in was New a, Orleans, too. That was a better call. Yeah, yeah. I think he was, <laughs> was you know. Call. And so a lot of the footage is like Katrina shit. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. you yeah. see you see all these like run de- you see New Orleans like yeah. totally devastated and it's it's super compelling. And that's like one of the other subtext subtextual parts of the story is like recovering from grief. Yeah. You know, recovering from rebuilding. trauma, rebuilding, starting over, understanding that like we can move on from this tragedy. Yeah. Um it's fucking great. Well, let's dial in on dial what in. makes this movie so fucking awesome. So it starts uh with all of the sailors Getting onto gone to a ferry in this New Orleans. Is, 
this and they're playing "Don't Worry week. Baby," the Beach Boys song "Don't Worry Baby," which is like perfectly used. Oh, in it's this so movie. good! Yeah, I love this kind of shit. This is nine minutes before we get any actual scripted yeah. dialogue in this movie. So you you get this long scene of everybody on this ferry. We don't know, and everybody's like joyful and happy. And Tony Scott is a master of these sorts of coverage shots, uh-huh. which is sort of depicting real life. Yeah, like it, it's not a hundred percent people being happy, which could no. get a little. But it's bit also corny. not full on Michael Bay credit card commercial. No, no, it feels no. it feels like a real snapshot. Because it's not as it's not as shiny polished as yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't and if you don't know what's going to happen in this movie, it must be it must be great. Go. I don't think I knew fully what this movie was about when I watched it okay. the first time. I definitely didn't. Like they didn't hype the time travel angle. I don't think. No, I could be wrong. That, no, it, they just didn't tell you exactly what was going on. But I, I, mean, I think in the previews they were like, "There's definitely a terrorist act and uh, and this and that." But I don't think that they were like, "By the way, also time travel." No, in the trailers, if I'm remembering correctly, they 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 kind of elucidate the premise a little bit. Like we use this tech to see into the past, but they still keep it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this so this is just amazing stuff. But like it's all these people on this ferry. Um, at uh, Crescent, at the Crescent City, st- going under the Crescent City Bridge, and everyone's happy, and uh, like a There's little girl, babies. a little girl drops her doll into the water. You ever been in New Orleans? I've never been in New Orleans. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. you should go. It's or really as cool. I call it, New Orleans. It's great. You should go. I've heard nothing but good things about I've it. Heard, oh, Had a blast. The food. The food is oh, great. The haunted, the hauntedness I'm, of it all. I'm into food. I'm into ghosts. I like all that. Oh, stuff. Hopefully, food, ghosts, hopefully. booze on the streets. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you are you into drinking? Because it's basically illegal for you to not be smashed. Do you like to drink on the street? <laughs> yes. I do like to drink wherever, really. Um, and do you like to drink in a haunted house while eating like fucking crawfish? Yes. Because that sounds amazing. Raised by crawdads. Yes, I would. <laughs> It's great. Anyway, I'd um, like to drink on a ferry as it gets blown to hell by a white supremacist. There's no other way, man. Yeah, some cute non weirdo. Yeah. So we see all these things that we eventually, because it turns out it's a time travel movie, we see repeated, and then we know that it's a timeline, but the movie doesn't tell us this. Yeah. The movie's not made to tell you, it is not made like, it doesn't feel like a time travel movie, which no. makes all that stuff. It doesn't start out as one feel, at all. Yeah. No. Um,. And so you think it's just like a terrorist movie, because, of course, this all culminates in the ferry blowing up mm-hmm. underneath the Crescent City Bridge. 534 people killed. 534 That's souls. so many fucking it's people. It's a big Mass fucked casualty up, event. weird-looking explosion. Denzel shows up, and now, and we're, plays, now we're at the five-minute mark. He, we is still he ATF? Have, yeah, he's, he's ATF. Doug Carlin, Doug ATF. Carlin. Doug Carlin. Yeah, he says Doug Carlin, ATF. And also, um, he already got a strange phone call this morning. Oh, yeah. From somebody... All these details. There's all these little details that we're gonna get repeated because it's a time travel movie, but they feel also just like regular murder mystery movies mm-hmm. yeah. uh, details. So you don't you don't go like oh, it's like mysterious phone call. That could it be. doesn't show its yeah. hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just it's just a voicemail, and he like returns the phone call, and then we forget about it. He also it's notable that his partner, the great Matt Craven, love him. We talked about him on in the vacation. Crimson Tide episode. Yeah, is on vacation. Yeah, the the uh, fucking. Pinch hitter Matt Craven. Like, this guy shows up, and you know you're going to get a good supporting performance. I love Matt Craven. Um, Also, I mean, he's good in in very terrible movies. He's also famously in The Life of David Gale as the the accomplice. (laughs) Oh, my God. But um, Uh, the less said about uh, Life of David Gale, the better. Go listen to that episode. Listen to that episode. In any case, we've got um, issues. He's he's, um, he's on vacation, so so Doug has to go in and and handle and, and start investigating this crime scene. And um, he's like getting under the bridge, looking for 
looking for uh you know explosive it's, it's residue tell, tell, tell explosive residue and it's yeah. only on the top of the bridge because the rain and the river washed, washed it, all, it all, away. All, all away but it's he found PETN under the bridge which he's like this is what domestic terrorists use he's really good yeah. and he's smart he's really really good and this, yeah, is where, this is I where, know where Val was. Kilmer shows up and Val Kilmer is like higher ranking somehow wait before that before that they get a call about another body down the river. Yeah, washed up on shore. Washed up on shore. With the, f- the similar injuries to the, the bodies that washed up from the cruise ship. And but, she had the chemical residue on her. But peculiarly yeah. up There's, shore. Yes, up shore. And, There's weird and details about evidently it. died before... Yeah, they find out a little later it was the body had been dead for like yes. 45 minutes before the explosion The explosion. Or yeah. and, and she'd been soaked in gasoline... There was tape across her mouth. We find this out with the, with the with the when he uses the the blue it's light. Like really, really upsettingly violent. Yeah, it really death. Is. Yes. Yeah. And and also uh, in a classic autopsy Hollywood movie autopsy scene where the guy's like eating stuff. No, he's like, smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. That's what he's. I doing, mean, right? I love. I would have preferred I if, love, he, if he, he was a hot eating a sandwich or, or a hot yeah. dog or something. I but love when people when cor- coroners are fucking eaten yes. while doing the autopsy. <laughs> it never it never fails never to fails. put a smile to my face. Like it's one of those long those sticks that can happen a million times. Times and I'll be like, he's eating a fucking sandwich and there's a dead body. The guy should be. They, they need one where that guy's like eating spaghetti. He should like, eat oh spaghetti. God. But in this one, he should be eating a big bowl of gumbo. Gumbo, gumbo, a, like a big shrimp Jambalaya. gumbo. And he's like sucking the shrimp tails into his mouth. Oh and he's chasing it's it down so with a hurricane. <laughs> I got a po' boy over here too. You want some of my po' boy? But the wrong toto. If any morticians or people who do autopsies, oysters. Yes. If anyone is listening who's in that line of work, uh. Let us know somehow on Twitter or something uh, if you have ever uh, eaten a sandwich we while, would, doing while doing an autopsy. Is this love, real? Is this real? We would love to hear from any coroner. It's uh, probably that it's we probably have. frowned upon. Yeah, so I, I mean, assume. you can make a fake account and tell us. Yeah. Surely it's frowned upon to shuck and eat an oyster while you're <laughs> doing the whole thing. <laughs> Just shuck. He's got the shuck. He's got the shuck on. station, like right next to the Squeezes body. Squeezes a little lemon. Oh, I got a little of that lemon I into mean, the body cavity. Somebody get me the horseradish. The tools can be used for both things. Absolutely. Yeah. He's using the same knife <laughs> to shuck the oyster as he is. To he gets a little confused. <laughs> Somebody make this movie where the guy opens up the body cavity and then cracks his oyster with the same knife. That'd be great. Oops. Uh, I'm the oh best boy. at what I do. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm the best. Uh, but none anyway, of that none of that happens. So all of that happens <laughs> and that's very that's very mysterious like well, how did this and he takes that to uh he takes that to the higher ups to his to Bruce Greenwood who is like the head and the head agent in charge of the investigation. And they're like, oh, we don't know. We're dismissing your kooky theory about maybe this lady is involved. Uh, but more importantly, more importantly, Val Kilmer shows up. Val fucking Kilmer. Like coming, coming back to Tony Scott Kilmer. for round three. Stealth uh, MVP Val Kilmer, who He's is great in this. Paul Prizwala. Paul Agent Prizwala. Agent Prizwala. What is a super weird name? By and the way, I might ra- I might add that this was written by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who were famous, more famous for writing like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and yeah. like Aladdin and stuff. They were also pissed off at how this was made. Yes, they were. Interesting. Yeah, they didn't weird. like how it turned out. Even they though wa- it's the best thing that their names wrong. have ever <laughs> been on. They wanted Absolutely. it. They wanted it to be like a Donnie Darko esque like psycho drama yeah. and Fuck instead that. of like an action thing but it wouldn't have been a Tony Scott movie without the fucking action part yeah well, they they wrote a great script, but they're idiots. Well, ho- uh, I mean, I, ma- I imagine this went through some drafts, but they got the primary credit. Um, yeah, and it's the best thing, in my opinion, that any of their names are on. Like fucking Shrek, fuck you. Come on, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> Give whoa, me a fucking whoa. Break. Uh, but anyway, um, fucking Shrek, fuck you. Yeah, Matt Lynch. 
Exactly. I love it. Put that Do on you my know there was a Shrek-themed rave in Seattle like a couple months ago? No. I, and I wasn't informed? It was sold out, too. So you didn't get to go? No. Did you want to? No. Oh. I don't like Shrek very much. <laughs> but it's just a weird thing. I, I had you pinned for a Shreky. For a Shreky. I'd go to a Shark Tale rave. I'm not rave. a Shrek head, no. <laughs> a Shark Tale. I would, only go, to, rave, I would only go to an Ant's rave, but not a Bug's Life one. <laughs> not, not a Bug's, Bug's Life? Life? No, 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 no. I would, I would definitely. Travis would go to a B-movie rave, though. <laughs> oh, I would go to, I would absolutely go to a B-movie. <laughs> it's a B-movie. It's a B-movie. Who are these people? <laughs> Kramer. Kramer. Anyway. Anyway. Just down a honey, Kramer. <laughs> Agent Prizwalla, Val Kilmer shows up and he says, Doug Carlin, I want to show you a thing that I've got. That <laughs> he says it like that, too. Yeah. Come over. Hold and on to your butts. Check out my thing. You want to <laughs> see my thing? You want to see my thing? They got, a, they, got a, they, got a whole, they got a whole spiel set up in a, in a van down by the river. Down by the river. And uh, Literally. <laughs> oh, it's a big van. And it's like, it's like a thing where. They say to him, like, here's what we can do. We've got surveillance tech all over the city, satellites, cell phone cameras, you know, ATMs, security cameras on street ATMs corners, there. all that stuff. <laughs> and they all have they all have cameras and some of them have audio. And we can use this computer data, this video data and an algorithm to go and piece together a virtual simulation of what happened. Four days, exactly four days and X amount of hours into the past. I call most, it. <laughs> he says mostly using satellites, yeah. using five different position satellites. Yeah. Uh, but 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 he he doesn't explain it before he goes in there, which which is what, one of the things I really like about this movie is that he just walks him in and plops him There's down in front of the screen, yeah, yeah. and then they sh- you see all this footage of stuff happening four days ago, and Den- and Denzel's going like, wait, what, what am I looking at here? And yeah. then they and then they lie to him. Yes. <laughs> but they don't, we don't know that yet. And neither does no. Like, we're struggling I, but, at the same I love time that to figure detail. out what it is. For some, for some reason, that's a masterstroke because it just it, it just makes it so much more intriguing. Yeah. that you get to find out the revelation of this amazing piece of technology twice. Yeah, I call it a fun fake clue finding time spy device. Yep. <laughs> Because that's what it is. Really. It's um, a Tony Scott machine. It's a historical live stream. Because it allows you. To, it. it allows you to see the present or the or the four and a half days in the past in through the Tony Scott vision. It's like such right. a bonkers, made up, like <laughs> made up, crazy time traveling device that's not even truly time travel, at least until the end. And it's it's just I don't know. It's so outrageous, and like you said, it's so like. You get to see everything filmed as if it was like a big budget action movie, yeah. which is why it would be really funny imagining like a non-sexy, cool, cute girl being filmed, like yeah. just like fucking doing the dishes. Like I don't know, <laughs> but it reminded me of the 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 surveillance footage in the lingerie shop in Enemy of the State. Oh yeah, yeah how it's the three yeah, yeah, yeah. D thing, the three D thing. What if out we got to do the whole stuff? movie this way? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so what if we got to plant some wonderful actors in front of this screen? Adam Goldberg's and really good banter. in this. Adam, so you got in the Adam Goldberg is fucking great. Yeah. I um, really like Eric Alexander, who plays the 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 black lady tech who works for them. She's awesome. I like all of it. This is like the 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 opposite. Well, it's not the opposite. It's not like I hate the actors in Spy yeah. Game, but it, this is what I'm talking about in a Tony Scott movie where I'm like, I love all these guys. There's the chubby blonde guy from the Butterfly Effect. Oh, this that is all Gunners? just like those yeah. hangout scenes in uh, in yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's like Brad Pitt and and uh, right. Leonardo DiCaprio watching fun TV shows. Yeah, except it's all these other actors and they're watching the past and commenting on and this crazy and this so crazy. Fun. Yeah, it's obviously very meta because it's <clears> like movie. Yeah. people people in a movie watching essentially a movie. Um, 
but it, man, it really, really, really works. It's great. This is, I mean, I like everything about this movie, but this stuff where they're sitting in front of the TV, uh, and then somebody, like one of the guys, is his name Gunners or something yeah. like that, it works the knobs, and this gets the, the type, and this gets like the, the focal point of the, ca- the quote unquote camera that you are using to like spin around, and this is how you get yeah. the cool yeah, Tony, yeah, yeah, Tony yeah. Scott visuals. But this, the, when he first gets walked in, plops down in front of you, in front of the screen, nobody tells Denzel what it is, and so now he gets to like, ask him questions uh-huh. and you get Denzel's fantastic reactions to this incredible reality that he's just been pre- presented with where he keeps on going like uh how is this happening yep. <laughs> and then they're, they're lying to him about it and then they go like well it's the, the, the satellites are cross it's all it's certainly nothing theoretically insane yeah this is something that technology could, could do. do and he's like okay right but where does the audio come from and they just ignore him yeah they're like uh anyway what's happening over there yeah. There's this one really funny part where I don't know, just Denzel's just such a charismatic actor, I don't know. There's this <laughs> one part where <laughs> Denzel's like, What's he doing? And some guy's like, I don't know, going to the bathroom and Denzel just laughs so laughs hard for up. like a really long time. <laughs> What's the line later when he's like, Okay, I know it's not like this, but also I know that it is. So what what does he say? God, he has like this perfect reaction. He's great in this though. He's in his character is introduced as a um uh, as a go along to get along kind of guy, like the laughing at that guy's joke sort of thing. He's trying to get do his job, and he's not got no interest in. <laughs> it's like that not, joke was doesn't did not need no. that big of a laugh, but it was amazing. But he's gonna get along with people as well as he has to, so he can just do his job. Mm-hmm. So like when he shows up to those cops who are like all trying to figure out amongst them like who's in charge and stuff, he's like, like where's okay, the coffee pot? Whatever, man, yeah. just show me where the coffee right. is. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. Guess I, he's in charge. He's he not, knows where the coffee is. Yeah, he's <laughs> not trying to have any bullshit confrontations no. with anybody and anything like that. He's just he's just gonna be as uh, frictionless as possible Charming, to get yeah. to and do his job, right. and it really suits his character well. And Den- and this is shit that Denzel thrives. Oh at doing. yeah, I would so much rather see him be this guy than the fucking drip in uh, <laughs> Man on Fire. <laughs> you know, come like, on. I like it. I like him when he's being a charmer. He's so good at it. Yeah, uh, that's also why he's so good at being. Uh, a fucking evil psychotic guy in Man on Fire because of how he like interacts with the the criminals right before. It's just like, oh shit, this guy really is crazy because he's acting like my friend and now he's gonna cut off my fingers oh, or put no. a bomb up my butt. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy might put a bomb up my butt. <laughs> Which one of these seven dwarves can explain to me how you got the audio? <laughs> yes, love it, cute, so good. And he he gradually gets like more and more. It's actually more surprising when he kind of starts flipping out because the case becomes personal for him for a number. of reasons uh and, right. and then he starts getting frustrated with these sciencey these these fucking nerds who won't level with them about what they're dealing with yeah. but we find out as we go along that his his partner has been killed because he sees the guy's car in front of the police station he's, and like, he's like there's, there's hey, Larry's he's car here. he's here there's Larry's and car they're like uh that's actually all the cars from the victims who passed away on the cruise explosion I love the way they do this scene too this is sorry. such a person- they're just like sorry this is such a personable movie because he sees that guy's car there he doesn't know why those cars are there yeah. but they do and so you see Bruce Greenwood and Val Kilmer look at each other and go like oh man yeah like this is yeah. sad because uh, I don't think that they knew that that guy. Yeah. They're they're finding out too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They both just, have, was they exchange a glance between between each other where it's sort of like who's gonna tell him this is yeah. fucking sad. So everybody's they find, a human they being find out in that this the movie. guy that the that the true. perpetrator of the bombing killed Matt Craven killed killed Denzel's partner in a really like that. That's a really brutal thing where like he just shoots him and stuff. It's really terrible. Yeah. And um, likely killed Paula Patton, so we know Paula Patton is involved because it's her car. They found out it's her car that was used to to store the bomb. 
That's right. On the ferry. And be and also because there's a whole thing where like they contact Paul Patton's dad, who was supposed to get picked up at the airport. Also really sad. He's there's, great. There's a lot of like loss and grief that yeah, goes flows through this there's movie. There's some devastation here. I for find sure. that I think this movie has a ton of humanity in it. Absolutely, yeah. I greatly prefer Agreed. that. To it's the, the thing that one. it's the thing that makes it more than than just the sum of its parts. You exactly. Know? This is the, this was the the thing that made me like when I watched it the first time uh, on the rewatch where I really liked it, and then watching it the second time, yeah, loved it. You know, no, th- these are the things that make you love a movie yeah. that push it into that upper echelon. So then they go back to the big TV, the time travel TV, and they're like, T-t-t. they're gonna they're gonna try to look through through Paula Patton's life to see like where where was it she encountered whoever it was that killed her. From his investigations, Denzel knows that if they follow Paula Patton's character, because they can only go back four and a half days, yes. and they can't rewind, they can't rewind, can't rewind it. Yeah. They can o- they only get one chance, and they can only look and at one at a, thing. They're at a fixed point in time. Fixed they point can look in time. At, yeah. They can look at anything that they want, but that's it. Mm-hmm. They get the one shot at it, and that's why they want Denzel, because he knows what he's doing, and his idea is to follow Paul Patton, which is, of course is correct. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be a weird movie. And he has this really great line where he's like, we might not notice like changes out in the rest of the world, but we will notice a small change in her life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where he's... And he's becoming fixated on her. Yes. Yeah, he's fallen. And is this during the time where... He, yes, I think this is during the time where he still thinks that it, this is like a plausible piece of yes, technology. Yes, it's still tech as far as he's it's still concerned. still tech as far but as he's concerned. But start, they start observing her, and he starts to ask more questions about how the tech works. And then at one point, he does this thing where he puts he points a laser pointer at the TV, yeah. and it breaks the whole thing, and the power grid <laughs> shuts down. She sees the spot. She sees the spot. You see the laser dot on her lamp in the, in the yeah. shot. And then she looks at it, and then the light go, lights go out in the whole city. Yeah. And he's like, "What the fuck?" And this is when Denzel starts flipping out because he wants he he's sick and tired of these needle-nosed fucking nerds. Well, he has a whole monologue here. He goes, "Is she alive or is she dead?" And they're like, "Um, time and space is like a thing." And he's just like, "Yes, like, that's he gets not what more I asked." More mad. Yeah. He's like, "I'm asking a hard question," and uh, <laughs> I said, "Explain it to me, not talk science." Yeah, and he goes, "Uh, he's like." Uh, here's a monitor, right? And he throws the chair at the TV, and he's like, now it's broken. It's dead. It's not temporarily transitioned to another state of entropy. It's dead. And so is she alive or is she dead? And and they're like, she's alive. Yeah. So now we know that they are actually looking into the past. They're like seeing yeah. the past. It's time travel. And then Adam Goldberg goes, looks like I picked a bad week to stop sm- snorting hash. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I heard that, and then I was like, he must have said smoking hash. But he said snort. I think, I think he's just making a, a thing? A, he's making an air, a joke about the movie Airplane. Do people snort hash? No, that's the joke. The joke is he's just making a joke about it. It's a, it's a, I picked the wrong week to start doing drugs in an extreme way. One one point oh. later on, he also says, "I need more cowbell." Yeah. So like he's making references. He's making silly jokes. It's <laughs> legit like Office jokes where he's just re- referencing other things as yeah. opposed to making his own jokes. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Adam Goldberg also, he's very also good MVP. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's an MVP in this movie. Uh, I also wanted to po- uh, point out that Paula Patton, and this is the this is the creepy part of the movie where we're watching her take her clothes off. Yeah. At one point, she's getting into a shower, and the lady's going like, "What possible benefit is there going to be in yeah. watching this woman take a shower?" Yeah. And I'm Goldberg goes like, "We just want to see if she's clean." <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, Fi- "Seriously, stop doing this, guys!" But so this is creepy, and they all kind of acknowledge it. But yeah. I, Paula Patton's greatness. I did want to point out that this is the woman uh, that uh, divorced. Uh, Robin Thicke mm-hmm. after the Blurred Lines video, yeah. and then he then he recorded an album to try to get her back. 
afterwards. Get out of here, And it didn't guy. work. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. She's also great in uh, Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol. That's right. Uh, Hopefully they'll bring this. her back for another Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, I, li- I like her quite a bit in this. But uh, a lot of the, m- of the movie is the literal male gaze because the guy is controlling yeah, it the is, Absolutely. It is very much the male gaze. There's a lot of her like putting clothes on and taking clothes off and stuff like that. But then he, he, he like... Uh, but now we know it's time travel. Now we know it's time travel, yeah. And the ne- I think the next thing that happens is the big car chase, right? Yeah, it, it, the movie is incredibly well paced, and so you'll get like these scenes where they're watching and, and deducing. You you get both like the the coolness of the technology with the deduction. We mm-hmm. all like watching you know mysteries. Guys figure stuff out. Yeah. People figuring stuff out, and so now we get the time travel portion of it. Of course, uh, Adam Goldberg uses the paper, the piece of paper, yeah, 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 metaphor that, that you have to do. Einstein you gotta. Bridge. Imagine this piece of paper is space. Well, folded. Okay, great. Uh, and so, but that, but we're continuing along. We we get through that real fast, and we're we're we continue following the thing. And that's uh, like they're somehow able to piece together. They basically find Jim Caviezel. Yeah. And now they need to track him down. Because he's find the guy who bought lives. who bought Paula Patton's car. Yeah. Or wanted to. They get like his. And there's number. there's a whole point where they they're like I think we're about to witness a murder too because yeah. they like see him get her. No, the, I think we are about to witness the murder is when the, it was when Denzel inadvertently gets his own partner killed oh, because right. he realizes now that he knows it's time travel. Yeah. He's like, "Well, have we ever?" This is the funny stuff, and this is it's kind of silly, but you just it just it's a movie uh, where he goes like, "Can we send things back into the past?" And they're like, "Absolutely not." A hundred percent, no. The physics say no. That's a hard no. And he's like, "Can we though?" And they're like, "Yeah, we can." <laughs> yeah. And they send <laughs> and the post-it note. They, they just send the post-it note. It goes. First. It goes from being like a the absolute. Just it's just like a, sometimes physics are just a no. Yeah. And then and then two minutes later, they're putting a thing in a thing and sending it. Yeah. So they write a note, and it and the, he's he's writing a note to himself, and they're watching him and his and his partner having an argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, on the screen, and which they, is it, sad because that's like their last interaction. It's very, it's died. just another level yeah. To, yeah. to this thing. Oh man, what a script! Um, but he wants to send the note to himself, and it says like terrorist thing happening. Go check this out. Yeah, uh, and he's like, Are you you're running out of time. We need to send this thing, or I'm gonna I'm about to walk out of the room. I'm about to walk out of the room. And he does send. And they get they send the note through, and they're all excited. Enough. And then he's like, Well, I'm not turning back. I'm not coming back for no, the note. I'm not coming. We we, we got in a fight. I left. Larry, but then Larry sees the Larry note. sees the note yeah larry goes to the ferry larry gets killed yeah well the larry gets shot first and then jim caviezel puts him into his uh, truck and takes him to his property and this is amazing stuff the humanity of this movie because it's an action movie with murders in it and stuff but people witness these murders and cry and are and freak out and stuff because nobody wants to see a murder but this is where you get the great line where like brace yourselves i think we're about to you're about to witness a murder good stuff this is but this is while he's out and about with his with his goofy helmet Yes, this and this is the, this so is the signature scene of the movie. I think the the, the helmet car chase is fucking amazing. It's I like I couldn't wrap my head around how fucking scary that would be. <laughs> yeah. It's like literally, it's like it's like watching a vid. It is just watching a video of the same street you're on, driving with your phone in front of you, driving on that street, and then trying to but drive the video on is it from four days ago. Four and then someone ago. is literally telling you to watch out for the obstacles that don't. Yeah. Exist in the video you're looking at, but exist in real life, yeah. and for, and somehow you don't die. 
Oh. And, I, and I'm pretty sure innocent people get killed while I they're hot. There's no, well, no here's fucking the thing. way. It would here's be a miracle. The thing. No, they emphasize that. They don't necessarily show people dying, but he's causing havoc yeah. on the streets. Yeah, oh, yeah there's I no way that, you couldn't. But there's a part of, I think, Denzel's head where he's talked he's through the conversations that he's had with these people where it's sort of like, we can cause time to branch off into something else where the terrorist thing didn't happen. Yeah. So it, from Denzel's point of view... This is a dead branch of time. We're going yeah, to fix yeah. this branch of time. And so if I do kill people with my reckless driving on this fucking it freeway, doesn't matter yeah. it, it doesn't matter because we're going to we're going to fix it and this timeline won't happen we'll anymore. We'll cease to yeah. exist. Which actually and a better is what timeline ends up will happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's as crazy as it sounds. It makes sense. And it the, makes and what sense. They're doing. And he never says at any point, like, well, I don't care about this timeline because we're going to fit. But you you can tell that that's what's driving it. Yeah. And they don't linger <clears> on the de- the sure deaths. That are that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but how he doesn't end up killing himself in that timeline is a mystery to me. It's He's in a Hummer. So good. He's in a souped-up Hummer, and then at a certain point, a giant like semi crashes into him and shit like that. That's where he's like staring at Jim Caviezel's face from four days ago. That, and saw, you that see shot the is so cool. This movie rules. It's oh good. man, yeah. We're like where they but they pass each other and they like look right at each <laughs> other through the past. But you see, oh, Jim, Jim Caviezel, because this is where he has the helmet on. Yeah. And at a certain point, he goes, this is so trippy. <laughs> <laughs> because for real, But though. he's got, and you see Jim Caviezel, the gravity of staring at this murderer guy who is the boogeyman of this movie, yeah. while a giant semi in current times is coming at you. I mean, that's the movie for you. It's so rad. What a picture. And then he, so yeah, he ends up following it all the way, following the past the Jim Caviezel in the past. This is Christopher Nolan type shit, but back imagine to his, back um, to his compound. Like Christopher Nolan, but more fun. <clears throat> yeah, uh, or or like with more emphasis placed on the fun. This is the kind of movie Nolan keeps wishing he was making. Yeah, you know, like with this really heavy emotional, like. And I like Christopher Nolan a me lot. Me too. Yeah, I'm not but, trying to like talk shit on Nolan, but, but this but is like his movies never land emotional emotionally for me, but this does. Yeah. It's it's Tony Scott. I'll just say this: he's showing him up. Yeah, he's showing Christopher Nolan up yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'm a bit, I'm a big Nolan head. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, am I. I think this. Uh, we don't need to get into it. I'm for a now. Nolan neutral. Interesting. Yeah. A neutral. A neutral, if you will. Null Nolan. Nolan. But he, but he follows Null it back. Nolan. And, and this is where you get the, some of the classic time travel stuff when he finds his place. Uh, Jim Caviezel's place. He's like, I'm seeing a burned down shack, and they're looking through the. He can no longer see it through his feed, so he can just hold yeah, the helmet yeah. up, and they can sh- they can tell him what's happening. And they're like, the well, the shack looks like it's intact in our time zone, and so we're seeing all this stuff that we're going to. We know we're eventually going to see now yeah, that we yeah. know that it's a time travel movie. Um, you know, he, we we witnessed the murder of his of his partner, and that's treated with with the gravity that it should be. I like that. And then they catch Jim Caviezel. He's yep. fairly uneventful. He's just off boating around. They have a little shootout, don't they? He's no? kind of in a, he gets in a little car chase, but yeah. he's on his he's on a fan boat. That's right. And when they pull him in, he does a yeah, he does a great. Hitler salute. Yeah, wonderful. Like Jim Caviezel probably just probably was doing really that does. casually in his. <laughs> he didn't know they were filming. They're like that was a good touch doing the Hitler salute for your character. He's like I didn't know we were shooting. Yeah. Uh, and then you get a scene where Denzel's talking to him, and that's a great scene. Say, what is this, like Satan reasons like a man or Sa- whatever? Yeah, he, he's oh. got all this bullshit. Yeah, I wrote down that quote. Anybody anybody who tries to stop it from happening will cause it to happen. Yeah. To happen. Oh, he has a Satan really great reasons line. reasons like a man, God thinks of eternity. Yes, God thinks of eternity. Is, His name's Carol Orstadt. Uh, there's a great uh, line uh, that I noticed the second time uh, watching it through. Where he's talking to Denzel, and without like, 
without p- hitting, putting too fine of a point on it, he says to him, we're not here to coexist. Yeah. I'm here to win. It's pretty amazing. And then he goes, like, you better have, like, some divine intervention on your behalf. And then Denzel says to him, you better have some KY where you're going. <laughs> <And> you're <laughs> so like, all right, great. <laughs> all right. What is with him and putting stuff in people's butts in these movies? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's like when he tried to put the submarine up somebody's butt in Crimson Tide. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. They're feeling the missiles. <laughs> They're, They're feeling their missiles! <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the Crimson Tide episode. They're feeling their missiles. <laughs> the missiles. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, this movie's chugging along. I can't, I can't, I can't believe how well paced this is. And then we get yeah. to the so they've caught him. And yeah. as far as Bruce Greenwood, the pencil pushing suit, he's not a bad guy either. He's just. <laughs> I also just want to shout out to Bruce Greenwood. I love seeing him whenever love he Greenwood. pops up in something. I'm like, yay, Bruce Greenwood! I just love him as an actor. I think he's great. He's one of those uh, actors who's mastered gravitas. Yes, who can just stand there and be gravitas. Somehow not on multiple episodes or seasons of 24, but belonged there. Weird, huh? Yeah. Probably was like, I don't want to do that shit. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Bruce Green was great. But he goes, like, I'm shutting you guys down. We caught the guy, and this is all fucking weird. Yeah. So let's just shut it down. <laughs> Denzel is like, He's not wrong. Save, but we can save her life. We can save the girl. We can stop all this. We just discovered that we can time travel. I, I just asked him if we could do it, and they were like, no. And then they said yes. Yeah. So why don't you just send me back in time? And they're if like, you, if no. If you get a no, you're just asking the wrong person, you guys. A- absolutely. Ask, don't don't ask for, for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is just another thing that I love about it, where where Bruce Green was like, "We're all shutting down," and and Val Kilmer and Adam Goldberg are like, "Oh, that's too bad." And Denzel's going, like, calls up Adam Goldberg and goes, "Like, you're gonna like you're gonna break send the rules time, and send right? me back in time." And Adam Goldberg's like, "Yeah." yeah. yeah. And then he looks at, at Val, and Val's like, hmm? "Yeah, good luck, guys." <laughs> oh no, Val, Val's literally like, "Make sure you turn the lights sure off you on turn your the way lights out." Off. Yeah. I love it. They don't even like say that they're gonna do it, but they just know. And Val's just like, just turn the lights off before you go. I love, I love everybody in this movie. And then, and they're like, you're gonna die. Like this is gonna kill you. Oh yeah. Like we've done this with rats, and they all come back dead. Yes. Uh, so like, nice knowing you. But but Denzel's pretty and much they, seems they cool put with it, that. They put it like they write on his chest, like shock me or whatever. What do they write on him? Uh, re- re- revive, revive me. me. Yeah, <laughs> but this is this is another like fun time travel thing where they get, where he goes like honestly you you, you understand there's ninety nine point nine percent chance that four days ago you were you're gonna uh, you're run doing your, your job body. and then someone from the coroner's office calls you and says yeah uh, hey we look at this it's you or whatever and he goes but that didn't happen <laughs> and then he's also seen like when he went and visited um, uh, Robin Thicke's. Ex-wife. Paul Patton. Paul Patton, thank you. As, as you make the touching boobs <laughs> gesture. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> uh, he's visited, but earlier on, he's visited her house, and he sees, like, written on the refrigerator, you can save, you can her. save her. And he's been getting With a the couple, couple of clues along the way where he's like, and, and he does say this, he's like, I think I already did it. Yeah. I think I already did succeed at this. Uh, so they send him back in time, and he's like, wakes up in four years later, and he's like, needs to be resuscitated in a hospital. Smart. They bring him back to life. And now he and, and th- there's only like 20 minutes left in the movie or thir- 25 minutes. It's a little bit longer than that, but yeah. He, and then he he goes he I goes mean, to find Claire Kutcher. He goes to find Paul Patton. Yep. And he's like, "What if I, you had to tell somebody the most important thing in the world?" But you know, you couldn't. Yeah, he sa- well he saves her. Jim Caviezel's dousing her with gasoline. Is about to set her on fire, and yeah. he drives his car. And this is where you get the explosion that we find. We yeah. Find out the explanation for the stuff that we learned earlier saves her, and then Jim Caviezel like skitters away. So he's not dead. We still got to worry about him. And now Paula Patton's concerned about him. Like, why does he know all this stuff? Yeah. She had a hood on when he saved her. So maybe he's a, maybe he's the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And he's fucking with her. 
We get past all that in a, a shockingly brief amount of time. They kind of like develop a rapport. They they have a they maybe have a little even bit of a little bit of romance a little between attraction, each other, yeah. even though they only know each other for like. I mean, they're both quite minutes. attractive. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're both hot. <laughs> Denzel's fifty; she's twenty-seven. But Denzel is looking it's is Denzel. looking pretty it's good. He's looking Denzel. very good at fifty. Uh, I mean, you really can't blame her. Um, and 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 he he basically like saves her, and then notices some other details haven't changed. Like we didn't change anything, so now we got to go to the ferry, and that's where you get your final confrontation. Where like, can we can we truly change what happened here? Yeah, turns out we can because it's a movie, and it's fun. <laughs> he said, "He says, what if you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world, but you knew they'd never believe you?" And she goes, "I'd try. I'd try." It's good. Absolutely. He also has a great line where he says, uh, "Everything you have, you lose. Right? Your mother, your father, gone. Good looks. He's talking to Val Kilmer. He's like, good looks, gone. Loved ones gone in a second. That's what this job teaches you, right? No matter what, no matter how hard you grab onto something, you still lose it, right? Yeah. It's so sad. It's also just the, adds to the banter in the um, the banter between those two because yeah. uh, Denzel and Val have a shockingly have shockingly good chemistry in this movie together. But he yeah, goes, yeah. "Good looks, Prazwala." Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and Val kind of like smiles back at him because Val's looking a little little bloated in this. Well, he's yeah. probably just about to get sick. He lo- yeah, yeah, he is. could possibly be, but he looks pleasingly uh, gone to seed. I would say in this. I love. I just love seeing him in this. Yeah, and he and he's playing. uh, I mean, I think he made his bones playing kind of like larger than life characters. Yeah, and he's playing just a normal nice guy, Mm -hmm. and he and he kills it. He's so likable. Yeah, I think the signet the signet the the way that you truly know that Val Kilmer is a great actor is that he can play a likable guy. Yeah, because he's not. This is why you're such a terrible actor. Exactly. (laughs) I I can't fucking do it. (laughs) I can't do it, man. Outside of his wheelhouse. (laughs) Exactly. Uh. And then there's the the showdown on the on the ferry, which is like an extended action sequence that is totally thrilling to me every single time. Great explosions, gunfire, and then they they smash Jim Caviezel between two cars and yeah, shoot him. Fucked. Paula Patton has been recruited into full on heroism at this point. Yeah. Uh, oh, and she and she and he she understands the stakes. Yeah, and if, and it's, it's, there's been so much stuff that he's done in such a short period of time to prove that he is legit. And so they're basically like on a truck with the bomb on it, and he's like, "We've got to drive this truck off of the ferry." Oh, yeah, he like recites the voicemail that her friend's gonna leave her to. That's right. And that's yeah. like how he really proves that. And like, it explains what we heard earlier. Exactly. On. Classic time travel movie stuff. Yeah. Love when it all ties up neatly like that. And, and, uh, then, and now she's a hero. And she's they, a hero and too. And they drive the thing off the pier, off the off the ferry. Yeah. It explodes under the water. So scary. Yeah. This is she, so well, scary. she gets out, but he doesn't get out. Yes. But Dude, like one the, of the ferry- scariest things is in movies always to me is like falling into the in a car into the water underwater. Like. Oh yeah. I can't even. Just imagining that is like, ugh, it's just like right? physically, just like and makes me want to barf. Sinking and sinking. Yeah, and, sinking. and trying to get out as the water is like filling up oh. your car and sinking, and you can't. It's so scary to me. Yeah. Extra scary to me in this scene is that you wish it would sink further. It's staying like on the surface, and then the ferry is going yeah. over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's thank like you. if this this bomb could go any second, and it's still gonna blow up the fucking ferry. Yeah. But then it finally starts to sink. Paula Patton gets out, almost gets sucked into the to propellers. The tail rotors, it's just yeah. scary on scary. <laughs> Scary, scary. Yeah. Then she pops up. Denzel can't get up. Big explosion underwater. Yeah. Uh, saves saves everyone. the ferry. Saves the whole ferry. And yeah. then uh, there's this awesome moment at the end of the movie where like she's on shore, been rescued, and then Denzel comes up. But it's Denzel from from the beginning of the from movie. The beginning of the movie, and he comes up, 
And like he's like, I'm gonna take you back to the station, and we'll get we'll take your statement, and we'll make sure you're okay. I'll take you home. And uh, and she goes, what if you had to tell someone the most important thing in the world, but you knew they never believe you? And she, he goes, and he goes, I'd try. And then the Beach Boys comes on the radio, and uh, he just goes, he thinks for a second, he goes, nah. And the movie ends, and you're like, yes, that's so cute, and so I, good. And I think that the reason he says nah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you could say for it, but in my heart of hearts, he wants to say deja vu. But yeah. he goes, nah, I'm not going to say de- deja vu. And it's like a wink to the audience. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. So fantastic good. stuff. Terrific. Oh, ending. and then he drive, and then he drives the car by, and then it freeze frames on like a silhouette of him in the car, smiling. Yeah. The end with the Beach Boys. Dedicated song to the people of New Orleans. Dedicated to the people of New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> fucking right. Like, oh, I'm a oh wreck when this God. movie's over. I just love it so much. <laughs> it's it's a movie worth loving. Dedicated to the strength and enduring spirit of the people of New Orleans. Uh, absolutely fucking awesome. It's so good. I, I uh, I'm not sure I can think of anything uh, that I don't like about it. Uh, there is like little uh, hints about like God and spirituality and stuff like that in it, but they don't bother me very much. Because like at one point when they're having one of their theoretical decisions about uh, um, the, the ramifications of time travel and all that stuff, uh, and people are talking about Sch- Schrodinger's cat and Schlesinger's bridge yeah, yeah. or whatever kinds of physics type stuff. Uh, he goes like, "Well, what about God? What about that dimension to it?" And he's like, "Well, the, well let's, let's explain it this way. God's mind is already made up about this, okay?" Yeah, and that sort of stuff. But that turns out to be not true. Of course, it's a time travel movie. I like the one where they're like, uh, "We used, we used massive amounts of energy to make the to make this work." And he's like, "Well, how much?" And they're like, "Remember, you remember the big blackout a few years ago? Like, we blamed Canada. Canada blamed Michigan." And he's like, "Fifty, you put out blacked out fifty million homes." And one of them goes, "Like, my bad." <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then Adam Goldberg goes, "Like, well, I still say we blame Canada, but." <laughs> another reference to it, uh, another yeah. thing. It's a Adam similar. Adam Goldberg's the office funny guy. It's yeah. a similar like vibe of these fucking nerdy dudes, uh, as was an enemy of the state uh-huh. for yeah. sure. Yeah, for Abs- real. Yes, for, but but I really like these guys as yeah. opposed to enemy of the state where they're, they're still you're, they're just you're like fucking likeable. around. This is their job. Yeah. They're not necessarily like you know trying to do anything super heroic that's they're just good yeah. at what they do but also they really take it to heart when like yeah. Denzel is like you know just once I want to stop somebody from doing something horrible before it happens yeah yeah they're all on board everybody's trying to everybody's trying to do their yeah. best one way or another and no, nobody's just a dickhead for no reason there's yeah. no forced conflict I always hate that shit in movies uh it's just like a couple other funny lines because this movie's funny like not too funny because that would be annoying this is the right amount of funny but there's a part when they're all putting all the the information together mm-hmm. and of course there's been this huge fucking explosion and uh and like denzel and i think maybe bruce greenwood or someone are sitting at a computer and some guy comes up behind him with a tiny piece of the license plate from oh, one yeah. of the cars and he goes i got a partial on the license plate <laughs> and then they just look at him and frown and he goes eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes all right, all right and he walks away i like that and then uh uh there's a this is just a part where somebody somebody he's no oh, denzel is calling because um, he's trying to verify if this TV, this t- science TV thing, this time travel TV thing's right. real. Because there's people checking out Paula Patton's apartment at the moment that they're looking at her, like, taking a shower. Or right, right. And he goes, like, tell me, you're in the apartment right now, tell me what you see. And he goes, like, there's nobody here, of course, just us. Oh, I do have a fine view of the crack of Harry's ass over there. <laughs> and, he's, and he's looking at, like, Harry's butt, and then it pans up, and he, like, gives a thumbs up. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> what a fucking great just movie. a couple of guys. Um, ratings. I'm giving this five Juds. Mm. It's a full-on masterpiece. I will watch it many more times in my life. 
I'm going to give it two Douglases for the shower stuff and just the intrinsic creepiness of the way that they, you know, voyeuristically mm-hmm. investigate her and the way that Denzel, <laughs> air quotes, falls for her. Yeah, weird. Uh, and I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 insane time travel car chases, man. It's God, just like the coolest so fucking cool. thing in the world. So cool. It's yeah. really amazing. Uh, five Judds. I love it. Yep. Really liked it the second watch and then the third one was like oh this is a special movie like it's a special movie it's cool on its own merits with just like the concept and tony scott's fantastic direction of it um but it's the the little details the mm-hmm. how every how the characters are unique and likable and how they don't um force conflict or anything like that they the con- they come by all the conflict and all the excitement honestly mm-hmm. um you love a you love a solve a problem movie with with few bad guys. Yeah, nobody I mean? nobody's just like, and I'm trying to stop you from solving the problem because we need the movie right. to be longer. Yeah, right. it's like everybody's trying to do their best. It's what annoyed me in Interstellar, where it's like with the whole Matt Damon thing. Yeah, where it's I'm like, just some fucked up guy. You don't who's need fuck a, you don't need stuff. a bad guy in this point in the movie. Space is bad enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always think uh, Sunshine too, yeah. where like space is. Same I think deal that works. Space I, I think like that, that works better in Sunshine. Sunshine is an exception to that. I think that that actually works. Really? Me too. I, I think I think emotionally and thematically, it makes sense that that's what would happen in that movie. The creepy sun guy. Yeah, yeah I think that works. It needs I a monster. Annoyed me, but uh, it annoys most people. You're not alone. Yeah, but that's a great movie, anyways. Yeah. Um. Yeah, two Douglases. There is nudity, mm-hmm. um, and then of course the, the the fact that they're all just <laughs> staring at her while they're. Uh, <laughs> but we might. Who knows what'll happen while she takes a shower? We gotta keep watching. You know, like they're all just gaping at her and stuff. It's pretty creepy. Pretty uh, creepy. It's aware of it. Uh, there's a part later on too where she wears this dress that I think he finds her dead body and stuff. And, uh-huh. and this he is tells when her to wear he the other tells dress. her to find another. And that's where it said it's most vertigo-y. It's like, no, yeah. put on another dress. Put on another dress. I want you to look I like she you. looked. Don't tell me. Uh, don't tell me you don't know what I want. Wait, does he tell her? I thought he tells her to change the dress because he he wants. He wants it to be as far away from the the bad conclusion as yes. possible. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I didn't think it was that creepy. No, no, it's no, it's just a reference to vertigo. It's like a full on vertigo. It's, reference, it's when they're yeah. the most showing their like vertigo. Uh, but I feel like Jimmy Stewart did it in a creepy. Oh way. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But just the idea that he's like asking her to change her clothes is like an interesting. Yeah, yeah. Denzel, like Denzel, jump yeah, on it's a vertigo. vertigo riff, but Denzel is a sweetie, and and Jimmy yeah. Stewart's a okay. creep. A I guess creepo. the conclusion. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where the uh, comparison falls apart. Yeah, uh, right, right. It's 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 a thin comparison, but I do think it holds up a little bit. I think that that dress part is at least definitely. You think a, a specific reference? Specifically, like supposed mm. to be. It might have been a, a that, that kind of thing. So. Might be the holdover from the the script that was more of the Donnie Darko yeah. psychodrama. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. It's the one thing that they really do. Um, and I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten partial license pl- yeah. <laughs> license plate nice. pieces. Nice. Um, I'm gonna give it four and a half Judds. Mm. I I really love this. I thought it was great, but I didn't love it quite as much as you guys. Um, and I'm going to give it one and a half Douglases for all the voyeurism and uh, creepy male gaze stuff. And then I'm gonna give it ten out of ten cigarettes in the autopsy room. Excellent. <laughs> yes, should have been gumbo. Where they belong. But I'll take what I can get. <laughs> uh, can't say it. Well, that's it. Oh, and that's it. 
Happy Tony Vember. Oh, happy Tony Vember. And I did want to bring up because uh, we are we are. I'm going to share a picture of it later on. That uh, an R.I.P. Tony Scott, of course. Yes. Uh, Tony Scott has one of the coolest headstones. If we didn't already, if mention I this. haven't already mentioned this at, at some point, but Tony Scott has this absolutely awesome headstone. On the front of it is a, like a picture of a person climbing a mountain or something like that, and on the side is a chronological a chronological list of all the movies that Tony Scott directed. Killer, That's really cool. I think it's fucking awesome. That One of the really goats, cool Tony to Scott. Go. R.I.P. Tony. Total goat. Tony Scott. I love. Him. I love Tony Vember, and I might have to make it a tradition. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's to not, at least watch a, a couple a, every November, every you November, know? Yeah. I will watch Deja Vu every yeah. goddamn November. Crimson Tide. Good stuff. I, lost, I, mm-hmm. I watch The Last Boy Scout all the time anyways. Yeah. That's not a concern. Well, uh, there's, another, there's another Tony Scott movie that I uh, don't like at all but watch fairly regularly oh, yeah? that I believe that we're going to be talking oh, yeah. about in so an upcoming we're gonna, episode. We're going to keep it going a little bit further. Uh, we're not doing any more Tony Scott movies. Uh, well, we are doing one, but we're going to do something that we've been thinking about doing for a long time. We're going to hold over because it's a, there's one Tony Scott movie in it. We're going to do all three Beverly Hills Cop movies. Hell yeah, dog. And, What's the title? Uh, thanks to our good friend Will Goss, the title of that episode will be Triple Axel. <laughs> Somebody took a shit in the poo. Uh- I am so excited for these. I really like the first two. I don't think I've seen the third one. I enjoy, I, I enjoy the third one. I I really like the first one, which is like one of the great all time star vehicles. Like I know it's thrown to Travis's favorite movie. It's movies. probably in my top fifty oh, favorite wow. movies. I adore it. But Beverly Hills Cop Two is uh, something special. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about these with you guys. Beverly Hills Cop Two is the original Michael Bay movie. Is it that 100 percent? It is a movie that I hate and watch all the time. It's terrible, and I watch it all the time, and I love every second of it. Yeah, cool. I can't wait, can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. I'm certainly dreading watching. And if you want even more, Tony three. Scott, sign up for that Patreon. Oh yes, please sign up for our Patreon. It's only for four dollars and fifty cents. You get all this extra stuff. You get to still hear Kevin's lovely voice. That's for sure. Allegedly. And allegedly, and you'll also get more Tony Scott, including Crimson Tide and True Romance. Mm-hmm. So Crimson sign Tide up. Crimson Tide and True Romance, uh, classic episodes with all four of us on for those yeah. two, for those two episodes. But we're gonna try to do if we hit the next uh, one tw- uh, one fifty benchmark, we're gonna do. What do we say we're going to do? Oh, I don't even know. Uh, Tony 3. We're going to do a third Tony Scott. We're going to do... Uh, Pelham, Domino, and Unstoppable. Wow. Ooh. Damn. All right, sign up for our Patreon. We don't. Uh, let's hit 150. We're at like 127 now, so tell your friends, tell your family, give us a little share on social media. Rate us. Yeah. Five stars only, please. Five stars only, please. And yeah. send us some mail if you want to. Follow us what on that? Twitter and only Twitter, the most reliable form. Yes. But you can also follow us on Instagram because we have that too. <laughs> no, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe we'll be on Mastodon at some point. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll, we'll see. We'll and if you're the TikTok girl who dances. came to my Hattie's Hat Show, slide into those DMs. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the hottie at Hattie's, slide into Matt's DMs. Maybe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Till then, the suspense is killing us. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.